Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's November the 22nd of 2023, and it is time to talk about some manga. Let's get started with a bang! Oh, what if, uh, what if all I've got is a quiet whimper, Nick? I have no bang. I have no spirit gun shots left in the chamber, uh, but I've got the a heart. Quiet whimper? That sounds like the manga we're talking about, how it ended. So... <laughs> Aww. So also appropriate. Uh-huh. Um, oh, gosh. What's the... Oh, I was trying to think of the opening for Yu Hakusho. What's its name? Smile Bomb. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get. I was like, how do I get to there? And I forgot its name. What are you going to do? Guys, we're going to be talking about Yu Yu Hakusho, um, which uh, is a legendary manga mm-hmm. and is one that i have never fully experienced i've seen portions of it as we'll get into um but this was i this was a a fun experience for me because i got to read beyond where i stopped and uh Mm -hmm. it has a very interesting turn of events we shall say we're gonna get into that we talk about that is that is one way of describing it i disagree with that way but it's one (laughs) way of describing it uh yes the series uh yu haka show is i think that it is safe to say uh if you look at a lot of the series that are popular uh in that have come out of shonen jump recently that are popular right now uh then you can see a lot of influence uh from yu haka show if not directly from Yu Hakusho, then, you know, through the series that kind of come in between uh, that also definitely inspired. Uh, we, it, we, it's, it's a very common joke, not just on this podcast, but a lot of people who are familiar with both series to say is like, oh, I sure like Bleach when it was called Yu Hakusho or something along those lines, mm-hmm. just in terms of, you know, there's a lot of influence there in terms of subject matter uh, and also, in a lot of ways, tone, uh, a mix of comedy and also some very dark elements uh, as well. And uh, if you are of a certain age, uh, like if you're around the same age that Quinn and I are and you got into Old. anime... <laughs> Right. Uh, in terms of anime fans, I guess we're old now. We're, yes. we're, we're ancient <laughs> we're as far as anime fans go, yeah. Um then this would have probably been one of the series that helped to get anime popular for, if not specifically yeah. you, then like people that you shared the interest with, uh, because in the days of like, you know, Toonami yeah. and when Adult Swim was first bringing over a bunch of uh, anime, this was definitely one of the big series that made a big splash uh, yeah. during that time. Th- this and Veroni Kenshin, I remember, were two of the series in like the Toonami block that I very frequently watched. Um, and I think I know there were some other stuff in there as well, but those two series are like very like connected to me for that reason. And you know, it, it definitely helps. I think that. Uh, the anime adaptation of the series is very good, and the dub of the series uh, was a very a very fun adaptation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there it's definitely in some senses goofier than probably initially intended, but it does work very well, despite the fact that there were way too few people working on it. 
there's a lot of weird voice choices uh, if you get deep enough into it because they had like a box full of voice actors that they could call upon. It's like, oh, I got to do another side character. All right. Well, how's your Welsh accent? It's a pretty good one. It's pretty good. You do. And she may think the quiz doing that at random. No, no, no. That is how one of the characters sounds. <laughs> Uh, but to go back to like the original, this is the series that made Togashi uh, yes. famous. Uh, Togashi would later go on to create Hunter Hunter, uh, and that would, in some senses, definitely be a much bigger hit. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, uh, in some senses, maybe not so much. In some very narrow senses, not so much. Hunter Hunter definitely overall much bigger. Um. We covered Hunter Hunter a long time ago. Yes. Uh, at this point, I was very much uh, a big negative Nikki on that one. Yeah, so I was uh, going to say not not a Mark. Nick is not, not a, a not Nick is not a Tagashi Mark. Based on uh, just that series, and uh, based on my reading of this one, yeah, wow, just, yeah, no, uh, hey, and this was crazy to me because. Uh, Nicole and I watch anime together. One of the series that we have been watching more recently is we've been going back and watching old Yu Hakusho and have been quite enjoying it. I still did not really like my read through of this manga very much. You know what? We're, we'll, we'll get into, I think, a lot of the specifics for why, but I can absolutely understand why that is. I do think this is a manga where the anime adds a lot to it um maybe just because the manga doesn't always have the best way to pace itself um mm-hmm. if that makes sense i, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into this when we haven't mm-hmm. even explained the premise because this could be your yeah. first time you might be like i've never heard of you hakusho what do i need to know about it first things first uh taz and jerry the king lawler uh were both forced to do advertisements for this uh game uh and they both had yu yu hakusho i love that guy (laughs) yu yu hakusho i love that guy it's one of my favorite quotes of all time it's it's going to live in my brain until my last synapses are firing uh, truly a gift that was bestowed upon that venn diagram intersection of wrestling and, and shonen manga fans uh yeah and um and then secondly i guess you need to know it's about a kid who dies and then comes back right. and he has ghost powers <laughs> uh yusuke yurameshi is the protagonist of the series he is a punk kid uh very directionless skips class all the time gets into fights and stuff uh will not stop sexually harassing one of his best his best friend keiko who is also mm-hmm. his love interest just it's just a thing that's like the very beginning of this series is the most the 80s have just ended I have a manga that I've ever read. It is it is pouring out of this manga. Uh, just the art style, the sense of humor that is in it. It's all just very, very typical of the times. Uh, but then, in the first chapter, uh, Yusuke comes across this fucking stupid kid uh, who is playing with his ball by the street? And Yusuke goes to him. He's like, "Stop playing near this busy street. Uh-huh. You will get hurt. Stop it." Because like, 
So Yusuke, like, does what I'm pretty sure is a racist caricature. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure because it was so weird. But he makes the kid laugh. He's like, he's like, all right, go off and have fun and stay out of traffic, kid, immediately. Like, the kid, <laughs> Yusuke's not even out of sight. Kid's like, time kid. to bounce my ball one more time. Whoa, it went into the street. Better run after it. And Yusuke is watching the kid, sees this happening, dashes out, and saves him by, you know, pushing him out of the way. But he gets hit by the car instead, and he dies. However, the denizens of the afterlife have witnessed this act, and they're like, yeah, so, you know, we kind of have, like, you know, keep track of all of the karma and stuff that people put out in the world. And it was basically what was going to happen was that kid was supposed to just, like, get hit by the car but the ball would cushion him so he wasn't going to get hurt at all and then you went and did something really noble but unnecessary so you would have gone to hell because you're a lazy asshole <laughs> you're, you're a shitty person so you doing something so selfless and noble was not in the cards for us so we'll like re-examine your case we'll give you a chance to to you know get your karma back up you know maybe you can come back to life or, or go to heaven or something like that uh so, the first fifteen it's chapters a, it's, of this—it's almost the first two volumes. It's a good portion it's, of it, yeah. Because this, because the series is only about one hundred fifty chapters long. So one hundred and seventy-five, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Sorry, I'm thinking of where I, I, I. You stopped the ending of the series. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't stop, but <laughs> I, I did read Menta- the last two Menta- Mentally, where you stopped, uh, like a lot of us were like, there's stuff after Swin Sweet? Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, the first two volumes uh, basically are going to be just him being a ghost, having his case re-examined, and kind of in almost a Yu-Gi-Oh! season zero kind of way where like everyone knows this series from the dark tournament and karama and hie and all these sorts of things you're like no the first two volumes he helps kids get over their insecurities and helps ghosts pass on and it gets kind of emotional at times he's he's helping like old men like let go of them like let like pass on he's helping i mean i i would I don't know if he actually helps in that situation. He watches a Tanuki do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think it's like um, he, he helps a, a dog pass on, but then he's like, so the dog yes. can be happy. I'm going to make sure his kid, you know, gets some muscle. The thing that's like interesting is that Yusuke is still a delinquent. He still has a very yes. gruff, abrasive personality. So, like, when he meets somebody, he doesn't necessarily approach them with sympathy. He approaches them and, like, nut up, you know? Get over yourselves! You're, you're gonna have to get into a fight. You know, fists up, kid. <laughs> he's he's one of those guys that, like, subscribes to the theory that's, like, if somebody's nervous and shy, they just need to get into a fist fight a couple times. And then everything will work itself out. Uh, so, this is kind of meant to build up this idea that... Yusuke, deep down, is actually a really good person. Yes. You know, he goes out, he, he helps all these people out, uh, connects with them in a way that obviously, like, no one else has really been able to, despite the fact that he does take that very abrasive approach with people. There's, you know, like, a girl who uh, committed suicide, and he bonds with her and basically gets her to, you know, 
have some sense of closure with herself, despite the fact that he is the way that he is. And clearly, like, you know, like no one else that this girl had a connection with was able to make the connection that Yusuke makes with her. So he has that heart, hard edge to him, but, you know, he's got a heart of gold deep yeah. down. And uh, so he does the 100 Deeds of Eddie McDowd for a little bit. <laughs> uh, and uh, in the meantime, uh, there's also some tidbits that involve him and and his not-girlfriend, Keiko, uh-huh. Uh uh, who is basically the only person who who can stand to be who could really stand to be around him <laughs> when he was actually alive? And uh, while this is all happening, Yusuke is not technically dead. Uh, his body is still alive. It's there's like a just, faint heartbeat. I think they explain right. or something like that. So like Keiko and Yusuke's mother realize this and are, are actually like. Making sure to take care of his body instead of just, you know, cremating him. Uh, and also, there's the best character in this manga, Kuwabara. Kuwabara, the best character. What makes you say that, Nick? Oh, Yusuke, you coward. You would die before I could beat you in a fight. How dare you? I fucking love Kuwabara so much. This might be like the origin of me liking the character that clearly is not going to get the same attention as all these other characters everyone thinks is cooler. Uh, Kuwabara is great, man. He's so, he's so good. He's so simple, but so sweet. Uh-huh. Uh, he's like... He's basically like if Yusuke didn't have wasn't a shonen protagonist, and so he was thus in a way more enjoyable. <laughs> he's he's really really good. Um, he has like he has like a fondness for cats. So like in a chapter, he's letting himself get abused and degraded solely because the person who he's angry at has like a cat hostage. Has a cat, and you're yeah. just like, look at this guy. He's such a good boy. He then eventually, this is spoilers, baby, but he eventually is like, I want to get into a good school. And you're like, good for you. You're really dumb most of the time, but I'm really proud of you. You're really like committing yourself to this. He really applies himself and he really tries hard because he is dumber than Yusuke, who is very, very dumb. (laughs) My man also, he sees a girl on a videotape and he's like, my whole life, my whole life will be pledged to you. I've never, I've never spoken to you. I have no idea what your personality is like. I have absolutely no idea what's going on with you, but you and me forever. And then every time that they interact, I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. Go for it. <laughs> um, she doesn't really seem to know what's up, but you go for it. Keep I'm I'm rooting for you. I think to move us back to the, the Sorry, synopsis yes. though is that uh Yusuke eventually does get his body back. He yes. is he's given the opportunity. The there's like there's a lot of this series that feels written in the moment, very similar to like Undead Unlocked. Because you're like it, Okay, this couldn't have been the plan. Like, they introduce the egg that's supposed to hatch, and then they don't pay it off until, like, 40 chapters later. And it's, like, someone being like, oh, what about the egg? Shit, the egg. Shit, shit. Okay, fine. The egg's, the egg's important now. The egg's, the egg's massive now. Uh, but Yusuke gets to come back because they're like, oh, actually, if we didn't they do, do this work now, it, They do work it in better a little bit in the anime. Sure. Because they kind of, like... 
realize like, oh, this comes into play later. Let's have him do something with the egg. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's have the egg show up. Uh, they, they have Yusuke but come anyway. back because they're like, if you don't come back now, you won't get another chance for 50 years because like your soul and your body has to be in harmony and there's like a whole system of that. So Yusuke gets to come back, but they're like, hey, we want you to be a spirit detective. We want you to like kind of help us fight demons and like handle ghost crimes to some extent. And this is another thing that they kind of abandoned is they're like, there's going to be tools involved. There's seven ghost tools. Here are three. They're, they forget about it. They come back. Here are like two more. And then they forget. We still don't know what the last ghost tools are. The most Togashi thing, introducing literal mechanics in a series and then they aren't important for the rest of the plot. I think you can figure it out because there is a scene where like Botan opens up a case and you can see stuff inside of it, but they don't explain what any of them do. Um, and honestly, him as a ghost detective really lasts as long as they need to, to introduce Karama and Hiei. And then you're like, pretty much. Oh, right. okay. Let's introduce the Tagoro brothers. And now dark tournament. Like there's, fights, there's fights, very quick. Like, fights, fights, fights. Uh, yes. After those 15 chapters, this series becomes a battle manga. Yeah. It is like Madaka box level. It was one thing. Now it's a battle manga in terms of how hard it pivots. Obviously, you know, Yusuke was like a punk. He was a delinquent who would get into fights with people. Even when he's a ghost, uh, he like possesses people. There's a chapter where he gets possession of his body back for one day, which is really weirdly timed because like two chapters later is when he gets it back permanently so. <laughs> yeah i mean uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in this series that feels like uh a concept was written in and of the week and they were like shit let's just bring him back or like shit yeah. let's just do this it's kind of hard to have you just interact with like the permanent cast if he's dead the whole time and they're not mm-hmm. uh and so from there, like, you know, there's this stuff going. I was like, oh, there's these sacred treasures that you, we need you to retrieve from these demons. And it's like, all right, go fight those guys. OK, now that you've done this, there's another demon guy. And he is trying to get the power from this this ancient. Well, not ancient, very old, uh, you know, uh, spiritual fighter Genkai. Uh, so you need to go and find that assassin by entering Genkai's tournament to find uh her next apprentice uh so that you stop him and and bring him in and so uh you skater enters this tournament kuabar enters this tournament uh to go after a guy whose name is literally rando and <laughs> that is was not nearly as funny the first time i heard the name but since <laughs> it does it does tickle a little bit as you read it, you're like rando very good name. some rando they go and find some rando mm-hmm. uh and uh, Yusuke beats him by doing Randy Macho Man Savage's uh, elbow drop. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then it's like, okay, that happened. Uh, and we've got to go rescue this one guy, this this girl, uh, the Takura brothers, these really, really big, bad guys, uh, one of which used to be associated with Genkai. Uh, they're, uh, they're threatened to kill all of you unless you join this massive tournament. The tournament takes up like this is most of the manga. more than a third more than a third I of the think, manga, yeah this is this is this is a pretty sizable chunk i think it starts around like chapter i want to say it starts around like chapter like 40 or so it's like between, 45 so between, or so. 
somewhere between 40 and 50 and then it's not over until like 110 or something yeah it it takes a pretty sizable chunk of this series and again it's only 175 so it feels like it takes up um most of the series when you think about it which makes sense because i think what most people think of when they think of this series is the um the dark tournament arc that's kind of what people this is like one of the most i think iconic tournament arcs in a manga basically um and like this this is one of the tournaments this and dragon ball it's like if every shonen fighting series has to have a a tournament at some point because of these two series basically uh and and go ahead please go ahead i was gonna say the, the 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 tournament itself is something that I, I found very curious to re-experience again. Because while I noted before that I watched some Yu Yu Hakusho back in the day, I did not watch a lot of it. There was like a weird mm. thing that I was more drawn to you uh, or Roroni Kenshin and my friend was drawn more to Yu Yu Hakusho. So we usually just watch mm. one or the other and then kind of tell each other about mm. what happened. Uh, I mentioned before my friend Frank, so it was sort of like a thing where we went back and forth on. So I only saw like a handful of episodes. However, because the Dark Tournament is most of the series, pretty much everything I saw was in the Dark Tournament. So like in my mind, I just remembered really, really cool things happening. And then you read it and you're like, this is a long time for a lot of nonsense to happen. A a lot of stuff just goes on uh, because it's just fight after fight after fight after fight during that portion um which you can kind of tell that that's kind of like fueling togashi in in that sense because because they're doing a tournament where it's just yusuke and company fighting people constantly he's able to just throw out more and more characters who have weird abilities and weird designs Mm -hmm. uh and you can kind of tell based on how some of the characters are drawn that he really likes just kind of like testing out, uh, you know, a new character design and gives a lot of love and attention to some when, you know, Yusuke, I think, has a very nice design because it's so straightforward and simple. Mm-hmm. He is a guy with yeah. slicked, slicked back black hair, and that is it. Uh, he is very straightforward and simple. Uh, and then he'll fight a guy like Chu. Uh, the drunken fighter uh, in the dark tournament mm. who has a mohawk and a nose bandage and he's and he's got, he's got really weird body proportions and a sleeveless top and stuff and and he's got, there's all this detail on him every time that he's drawn and half the time Yusuke is drawn it it's to chipify him while he sticks his tongue out and does a rude thing like <laughs> I, I i find it really interesting um because yes I, I think you're right there's just a lot of character designs like it's a five on five tournament um for a reason i can't quite explain because nine times out of ten it's not really relevant that it's like five on five like you're kind of looking right. at this like oh is this like you know, every match comes down to the last, you know, tiebreaker match. Like, not really. Most times they're like, yeah, fuck it. This match is for three wins or some shit like that. Um, and also, like, two teams don't have a fifth member and just never get one, really. Um, but it's it's a lot of character designs that come up. But what I find very um, curious is, like, all these characters get personalities, they get designs. But again, everything's kind of written in the moment, it feels like. So characters will be established to be a part of a group that'll have a particular theme to it. 
And maybe like a particular kind of like a uh, tone that they're going for. Like, oh, these are honorable warriors. Like these are chaotic bruisers. You know, these are these things. And then like another character will show up who will just be kind of contrary to everything. Like they'll just yeah. be like, hold on. This, this team is for noble heroes who will do anything to protect each other and one asshole because one one of these guys needs to be just an asshole until someone shows up basically um and sometimes these characters will like show up and they'll have like a name and they'll have a design and then they'll just run up and be like i've got a big knife i'm gonna stab you and you're like that's like the depth of their combat regimen like there's a lot of fights here that you're like I feel like we came in a little strong. I feel like we have this dude who could summon dragons, this guy who can make swords, this plant master dude. Some of these dudes on this team, they have nothing. They got nothing going for them. I have rock powers. <laughs> I wish even they were as interested as that. Sometimes you really get somebody you're like, I, I think his thing was that, like he shot poison or something. He's dead. He's dead immediately. I don't know. <laughs> There is an odd balance of, like, moralities at play on some of the teams, definitely. Uh, Jin, I think, is a great example of this. You know, his team is composed of these, like, ninja demon spirits who want to just basically, like, you know, have a home, basically. So it's like, oh, what a noble cause. But, like, two of their members are absolute dickbags yeah, and are sadistic the morons. Yeah, like, this team was kind of introduced to me as, like, noble ninjas who are trying to fight their way. And we're first introduced to Jin, who's, like, a, a, a proud fighter and all these sorts of things. And then, like, yeah, like, a couple of the members are just the biggest assholes. Uh... And yeah, it is one of those things where it's definitely also they're all introduced while wearing like big, massive cloaks. And it's like you put those on them because you hadn't settled on which character you were using for this fight, didn't you, Tagashi? Yeah, because I feel like the last character had a big cloak and then he takes it off and it's like just, like just a, a regular size guy, like a regular dude, just a man. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Hey, whatever keeps the wheel turning for you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey. I, it's been well documented the health issues that Togashi ended up has ended up having over the course of his really long manga uh, creating career, um, and uh, he did, was definitely, according to his own word, uh, experiencing some degree of burnout with yeah. the series by the time that he was finished with it. And this is only, like we said, a three and a half year long series, maybe maybe like four years when you compare that to some of the. You know, stuff that's been running since then the massive long to- uh, times that some stuff's been running you can imagine like how many manga out there it's like geez give these guys a break uh sometimes yeah we'll, and, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more as we get towards the end um so uh there's the big dark tournament thing and a big part of that is y- yusuke basically you know self-actualizing in a big way because he finds a big purpose uh, he has this master-apprentice relationship with Genkai that is often very strained because he is this disrespectful, directionless asshole. And she recognizes all this potential in him, but he's like, she's like, you have got a fucking awful attitude. You're a fucking <laughs> worthless, stupid kid. And if you would just focus and dedicate yourself to something. Uh, and eventually she's able to help pull that out of him through a combination of, you know, just effort and dying but not dying uh <laughs> yeah um 
I guess the other thing, like the big thing to talk about here and the reason why a lot of people have so much fondness is because we are set up with this sort of long-term antagonist, the, the, the Tagoro brothers, but more specifically younger Tagoro, who is this big muscle guy. And he like proudly states how much of his power he's using at any point in time. And I think when they first yeah. meet, he's like, I'm using 20% of my power. And he absolutely clown shoes both Yusuke and uh, Kuwabara. So they're like, mm-hmm. wow, this guy's only going to get more powerful. And it's a big kind of build up. You know, they get to show him like kill like an entire team by being like 60% power. And then they fucking explode and stuff like that. And I think this is probably the most iconic antagonist of you Hakusho. I feel like I, I mean, see... He, he, he looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he's always wearing his sunglasses, which is... Which, honestly, for a villain, like, because he's got, like, you know, the sinisterly shaped sunglasses, too. Yeah, it's evil he's, sunglasses. He's wearing a trench coat when he's not fighting, and then when he is fighting, he just takes off, and he's just this like absurdly ripped guy wearing sunglasses (laughs) it it is Uh, a great character design that you're like that's all we needed for him is sunglasses and pants and and everything else will just be bigger bigger muscles essentially um and he's just a fucking strength hungry fighting maniac and that's just kind of all there is to him there's Mm -hmm. all these very sinister people that he works with who have all these ambitions of like, oh, I'm going to rule the world and I'm going to do this. His his older brother is a fucking weirdo who eats people. <laughs> Again, another element that really never gets explored that much is like his brother is a little freak, like just an absolute mm-hmm. weirdo. Um, but his like thought process is never really dug into all that no. intensely. Uh, whereas I was actually rather worried reading it because I knew of younger Tagoro, um, but I didn't know too much specifically about him. And as I was reading this manga, I was like, he's not that interesting of a character. Like he's really strong, but he's noble kind of like, he's just like, no, I want to see those people or or, no, I I think that's bullshit. So blow up somebody's head. Who's trying to fuck, you know, with like an honor system he has, um, but you don't really get anything. And then they finally reveal like, actually he has a backstory um and for once they don't do it at like the very end of his character <laughs> like he gets to do right. a couple more things after that feel bad for me yeah not so, not something i could say about another antagonist in the series yeah, no. <laughs> um, but they're like hey actually here's why he is the way he is a little bit here's a bit more of his philosophy you start to get a little bit more of a sense of who he is he gets a relationship that's connected to a previous character um, it becomes more developed and full and it, it is appropriately timed because it's like, okay, now it's time for the big five on five grudge match. Essentially, um, we establish like a couple things. I say five on five. It's literally four on four in a five band yeah. tournament. <laughs> um, but like, Hey, we're, we're going to build up to something really cool. And they do. I, I can't say that. They don't deliver on Yusuke versus Tagoro because those two fight for, I think, like 15 straight chapters. Like, it's it's a big fight between the both of them. And for a fight in this series to last 15 chapters is a lot because there's a lot in this manga that goes, it's done. Yeah. It goes by insanely quickly. 
for once, you know, made me appreciate the way that stuff gets padded out in anime because the if you watch the anime, it goes along at a pretty good clip. Uh, You're not, you know, stuck on stuff for usually more than two episodes unless it's a really, really, really big deal. Uh, But in some cases, like if they were to go the way that things unfold in the manga, you would question why they would bother including it all because it goes by so quickly. Uh, there is uh, a stretch in the arc where, in the, in the Genkai tournament arc, where Yusuke uh, and the others have to go through this dangerous forest uh, in order to progress to the next stage of the selection. And the way that this goes is they go into the forest and they come out of the forest. Mm-hmm. Like, it's one chapter it is part of one chapter them doing this and there is a thing that is established where yusuke meets a vampire and beats it off screen and and comes in with this vampire who looks not dissimilar to the count from sesame Uh, i was gonna say it was a curious design for the uh, for this vampire as well which, which that is like an episode of the anime is them going through the forest. He meets this very different looking bat demon thing and has to actually fight it. Uh, and you see the fight happen and then he comes out of it and is like, oh, you, you're too late to make it to, for the selection. But then she Genkai finds out, oh, he beat that bat demon thing. That's crazy. Maybe there's maybe he's worth progressing in the tournament. And because you've seen him fight the thing, you get a sense of context to it. Whereas it is literally a joke yeah. in the manga. I fought a vampire. Let's move on. <laughs> Which it's just very it was very off-putting for me as someone who would have experienced the anime first. Um I was so taken aback by it that I, I couldn't even tell you which which one was better <laughs> I, I, I can't really criticize it mm-hmm. um, but uh, stuff goes by in general very quickly in this uh, and as a result of there being so much that is packed into this series for when like we actually start the combat part of the manga you can see Togashi getting way better uh, at it very quickly. Uh, in the first fight scenes of this manga, uh, like, you know, there's, a, you know, Yusuke versus Hiei is, is the first big deal fight, really, in the series. And there's speed lines galore. Stuff it just kind of isn't really blocked in such a way where you can really follow the action very well. And then by the time like you get up to Yusuke versus Taguro, like there's way more detail on like the body movements, the way things flow. You get more of a sense of the arena they're in, even if it's you know a fighting arena, so it's very plain looking. Uh, there's a drastic improvement there that you can see having happened over the course of there being all these fights really, really quickly going through. The Dark Tournament finishes. Uh, and there is more manga beyond that. Uh, there so is an I, art. I know a little bit about this as well because I watched some. This is where I think I watched the most of the anime okay. is during the. I forget what they call S- themselves. Sen- what the the sensui arc? The, the sensui arc, but they call the people who have like the domain power something. I feel oh. like I forget what they call them. 
But I watched several episodes involving them. Like, I remember seeing the episode with the sniper, the episode with the game master, several episodes with Sunsui, essentially. Because, mm-hmm. like, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, right, this is all starting to come back. Territories. <laughs> I thought they had a name, but I guess they don't. So that, that might just be on me. But they, they eventually establish there's characters who basically have, like, territories of like psychic power that can impose rules on it it's very standish maybe a little jujutsu kaisen territory or domain right. there's there's a lot of stuff that like people are like who who inspired who was i think it's a vague enough concept everybody can kind of put their finger in this pie um but um there's a lot. Of, all right. I, I want to talk about this arc. I think more than any. Okay. Because okay. I like this arc really a, a lot early on. One of my biggest problems with the dark tournament is it wasn't actually very like dramatically satisfying. A lot of times characters have like one back and forth, and then whoever whatever hero character is there does their oh my wa bu shindaru fucking move. They're like actually you were never beating me. I've already killed you kind of thing. It happens. Basically every Karama match, uh, I think uh, a couple different times it'll happen with Yusuke and stuff like that. He basically, if he does fight, just like obliterates his opponent or isn't. Ow, my arm. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's kind of it's not very satisfying in uh, a tactical way or anything like that. Fights are just kind of very nebulous. Like I beat you and that's fine. Um, It just wasn't satisfying. Like even when you first mentioned the um he a yusuke fight that had like a really clever ending where yusuke and uh aims at a mirror and uses the mirror and then he dodges and then the reflection the you know, reflected right. shot goes back and takes out he like stuff like that is what i was really missing during the dark tournament arc um when the sensui arc starts we do start to get that a little bit because everyone has very weird and strange powers, mm-hmm. essentially. And there has to be, like, logical thought process built into how do we defeat this person? Because some people have specifically in their rules, like, you just can't hit me. Like, we're not doing that. We actually have to, like, think things through or whatnot. So, like, there's clever thoughts going on. And it's in this way that the series works because a lot of time uh there's sort of this vague idea of whether or not yusuke is actually really smart or just really really lucky because nine times out of mm-hmm. ten if there's like a mystery he's just like i don't know i like the color blue and then blue happens to be the right answer and everyone's like is he just an idiot like i don't know <laughs> this kid keeps surviving but there's like cool stuff there's interesting antagonists um and since we i thought was a more interesting antagonist as like a foil for yusuke because of his girl Kagura was about, I'm going to just get stronger mm-hmm. just because. Sensui is literally like an actual foil of Yusuke. Yeah, he, he, was, I, he was in his position. I'm a previous before. detective. I've changed completely. Like, I used to be like you. And now I don't. I used to be a part of humanity and now I want humanity to die. He has, has a very interesting, like, philosophy to go along with. Uh, and I was really getting on board with things. They give uh, Kuwabara a big power-up that made it feel like he was going to be a big deal in this arc to some degree. It had me a little worried we were going to get another Dragon Fist scenario where it's like, Kuwabara, whatever you do, don't use your new sword on the <laughs> on the barrier. But Don't worry, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, oh, but he's right next to it. <laughs> but I bet uh, I can hit him. <laughs> I got him right in my sights. As long as he doesn't dodge, oh, he's established to be way faster than me. I know that he's got seven personalities and he switched to the one that's really good at dodging swords, but he won't get out of the way. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about, because uh, late in the game, it feels like they, they bring up this thing where they're like, actually, since we has seven different personalities, um, they don't really matter. Well, no. <laughs> it matters enough that one of them is like really chaotic and just shoots Yusuke with a gun a couple times. Um, but like ultimately they're all kind of like vague things and like one is only brought up in like a reference to somebody else mm-hmm. and you know obviously we exist at a point where we start to kind of re-examine the ways that like characters with uh, dis- disassociative identity disorder are kind of like handled this isn't the best portrayal because it's honestly quite random it doesn't really it is. explain a whole lot of anything uh, it doesn't really inform. It doesn't really inform Sensui's motivations beyond man. He's been through a lot, so he split his personality so that he could handle it, and that's yeah. just kind of it. It's just not something that gets examined. You don't get to see like, oh, do like different personalities have like ex like different thoughts on things or anything like that? And also, his his combat style got less interesting when they first bring him up. He is established to be like really, really fast. Uh, and they also build up the idea that he has like this, this kind of like he'll summon these balls, these balls of energy and will like utilize those. And then later on, he's kind of just more like a punch punch kind of guy. <laughs> they get some armor and stuff like that. It's 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 just a very strange disappointment. And then the arc itself kind of falls apart a little bit. Um, the arc itself instead becomes a setup for the final uh-huh. arc of the story. Yeah. Uh, Cause all of a sudden, so a thing that's been happening this whole time uh, as Yusuke has been uh, doing his spirit detective work uh, has been the involvement of demons in the human world. So, and so there are these demons who make their presence known. He and Kurama are both, uh, are both demonic in some form. Uh, Karama's a complicated case. So I'm just going <laughs> to say that. He is a demon. Karama's a demon. Demon. <laughs> just put, it o- put it over there. <laughs> put it over there. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and while Karama is pretty, tip- is, is shown from the beginning to be like a generally really noble person as a result of his human upbringing and other stuff, Hiei is a bastard who then softens and stuff. So it's like, okay, so, you know, these people are at least redeemable in some capacity. But there's a lot of demons who are just like fucking crazy man-eating monsters. Uh, the third member of the group that Yusuke actually, you know, kills is just going around devouring the souls of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- these are horrible, horrible creatures that are trying to kill humans. Anytime humans come across their path, they're like, oh, human, I'll eat you. You know, that that kind of thing. Uh, Yusuke and the others have to go to the dark tournament in a a realm of demons that they're all always like kill them kill them all kill those humans kill them so that is established it's eventually revealed that uh the man the owner promoter or whatever of toguro's team in the dark tournament his plan was to break open a dimensional rift between the human and demon realms so that the demons could invade the earth yeah and that is also sensui's uh goal 
because he has grown to sympathize with the demons because he has seen the abuses that a lot of them have suffered. And also he's, you know, he's basically just in general traumatized by a lifetime of fighting and stuff. And he's grown to sympathize with the groups that he was originally tasked and with he, capturing he, and handling. And he's nihilistic. That That's like kind of a founding thing for his group is that everyone kind of has accepted the knowledge that since we plan succeeding means their death, these demons nope. will come out and they will kill, kill everybody. Everyone. It's not, <laughs> they're not giving you any leeway because you helped get them out. They're going to kill everybody. So it adds this element to the group that again, just doesn't, really get established or built upon that much like it starts off as a concept as characters are like you know if you do this you're just gonna die too and a lot of them are just like maybe i should die maybe we all should die or whatever mm-hmm. uh and then later on characters will be like actually i'm a child <laughs> and yeah. i i don't know why i'm here <laughs> and it doesn't really understand the stakes th- th- that are going on yeah also this this pissed me off so much Go ahead. That kid dies. That is the end of the fight. That is the entire concept of that fight. Is this kid is going to... He has the power to basically like force people into a video game contest. And he's doing it. And he's, he, know, he knows he can't ever really beat them, but he can delay them. And they're like, shit, we're going to be stuck with this kid for hours. And by the time we get out of here, since he's going to finish his plan. And the kid's like, this is great. I will never get attacked by demons because I'm just going to be in my fun game having fun games with people. And this is awesome. And then the way Karama beats him, he's like, you know what happens to the game master after he loses, right? He gets fucking killed. Since and he gets is, like, what? Yeah, he's like, Sensui has always known. He suggested you play this game specifically. You're going to die at the end of this game. And this kid's like, oh my God, oh my God. And, he and loses, because he's a kid. Yeah, he, he loses his grip on the game and fucking dies. And that is the motivation for Kurama then to continue the rest of the arc. Because he's like, I just watched, I just had to I kill this child, basically. Yeah. The end of the arc. The kid sh- standing outside of the fucking cave with everybody. I'm like, how did, what happened? Why is well, he you back? See Quinn. Well, you see, Quinn, it was very important that we stop Sensui from doing his plan to overrun the world with demons. We kill the entire human population and destroy the earth. Now, Yusuke, in his battle with Sensui, he is separated from his friends. The last surviving member of Sensui's group is keeping them all separated from everyone with a barrier that they can't surpass. Uh, so Kurama and Hiei and Kurabara are all there, but they can't help Yusuke, who is fighting a battle that he can't win because mm-hmm. Sensui is too much stronger than him. But Yusuke gets the an idea, and he basically just lets... He takes the final blow from Sensui that kills him, and because of that, his friends are like, fuck this, we gotta go. And so they break through the barrier. Hiei and Kurama ascend in their demonic powers. We start getting demon A and S class rankings and stuff all of a sudden. Anyway, they're they're very powerful now. Yes. And Kuwabara's got his super sword thing. And so they start going after uh, Sensui. And Sensui's like, I'm going to open up the rift to go into the demon realm and let them all out. And a huge wave of demons comes, but he he summons a big dragon thing, so he wards off the first wave, and they go after Sensui to stop him. And then Yusuke is still alive, because it turns out Yusuke has sleeper demon genes in his body. He has demon ancestry that has just awakened so he's still alive, and also he's a demon. Yes. 
Yes. And he's got long hair, which makes him look very bad. Uh, (laughs) It's one one of the worst glow-ups as an anime transformation. So he goes after Sensui and joins them, and he's way, way stronger now. He beats Sensui because, like, his demonic... His hollow side takes over. Uh, I mean, this is a cool thing to like see because you're like, this is a very iconic moment in Bleach for better or for worse is like Ichigo hating that he beats Ukiora because the Mm -hmm. hollow side takes over. And that is straight up this moment here. It is. Uh, Yusuke is kind of getting his shit pushed in. He doesn't have a good control over his powers and whatever demon ancestor he has is just like, let me show you how it's done. And he fires off a big attack with Yusuke. All, he can't stop the attack. All he can do is try to like shout out like, no, you have to dodge this because it's too powerful. And that's, you know, and he fails. Like he, you know, since we doesn't dodge, probably because since we also was just like, I'm kind of ready to go. <laughs> I don't, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of hit. It's, 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 it's crescendo here. Uh, so he gets killed and that becomes a really big, powerful, motivating factor now for Yusuke. Cause he's just like, I don't like, this pisses me off. I wanted this fight with this guy. I wanted to prove that I was stronger and I don't like that somebody's going to take me over some fucking random ass demon dad that I don't, I've never met before. So I'm going to go find this motherfucker. So since we die, so we find out, oh, he would have died from super cancer to in two weeks anyway. <laughs> super cancer is very on the nose. So like he has an advanced form of cancer that uh, no doctor could heal. Even the doctor that was specialized at magically healing things. Uh, so, you know, it kind of does also like take away from the whole, it's like, you know, oh yeah, and I'll, and I'll die too. It's like, well, yeah, but you were already dying. So maybe it <laughs> takes away from that. So then we're left with a, a thing that is brought to Yusuke's attention, especially now that his demonic blood has awakened, which is uh, there are three factions warring for control of the demon realm. And one of them is is your demonic ancestor, Yusuke. So Yusuke goes and meets his demon dad. It's kind of very forgettable, honestly. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 a very interesting moment because this is where the series is very like um, I don't know choppy i guess like it has a very haphazard feel to it and i do not mean in the art although we are about to talk about that i think in a moment uh, along with other things but like it feels very disjointed there's a lot of like confusion and stuff that's happening uh and like yusuke shows up meets his dad they fight and then like the next chapter yusuke is like hey hey pops and he's like just like falls over dead and you're like oh no i don't know if closure was had here i i'm like trying to like comprehend i was like i guess some emotion happened I, and i understand it's not his direct dad uh but it's right it, it, he, in, it's more it, fun to say demon dad than anything else in the english translation they do call him his demon dad like i get it's their way of yeah. saying it like it's because they never actually address i think yusuke's father at any point no, um, I don't think so. So this is like the closest kind of thing we're going to get in the manga. And it just doesn't have like a whole lot to it or anything like that. And then it becomes like, okay, you got to deal with these other two people. Because like also, very specifically, each one of Yusuke's other demon friends has aligned with a different demon lord. So Kurama is with this one. Hiei is with this one. This is like a big thing. Um 
the guy his mom talks to in one of the last chapters. I must not have even paid attention to that part. <laughs> I, I must have missed that. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, so like that's that's what we're gonna build up to. Uh, and then Yusuke just walks up to one of them and is like, "Hey, what if we do a tournament?" And it's like, "All right, cool. We're gonna start up a tournament to determine the Demon King." And this is where we need to talk about how this series ends, which is extremely abruptly. Uh, they are in the it middle is. of this tournament, and then it's it, it is simply Togashi is like, "I cannot do this anymore." And they do like a couple, like three or four kind of closing chapters to just like wrap things up to be like, here's where these characters it's go. Wild. Uh, there is, yeah, they organize this tournament to just kind of like settle who's going to now, you know, like govern the demon realm, essentially, who's going to have you know, the, the controlling say over it. Uh, and Yusuke's like, let's have a tournament. And we see people prepare for the tournament in one chapter or one or two chapters. We see the preliminary round for the tournament in another chapter. We see a chapter that opens with a term- tournament bracket across two pages that has all these characters that Yusuke and company have met along with a whole bunch of new ones. There's all these, you know, side characters are like meeting love interests and rivals and stuff. And then... Uh, Yusuke starts fighting the guy who is basically the big bad of the series, and then the series, and then the tournament just ends off screen, and we establish that like, who won? Some dad, basically. Some guy, basically. Uh, it was like... basically some guy, like the most a dad. Like yeah, <laughs> he looks kind, like a dad. It's kind. It's kind of like a joke, but also like, hey, like. This is sort of an emphasis that the series is trying to place is like these S-class demons is like it's a very nebulous term. Who's the strongest might change next week. Like it's all, you know, kind of difficult to determine. This is also somebody who competed very frequently with Yusuke's demon dad. So like maybe they were close to his level. So maybe if Yusuke's dad had survived to this point, he would have been the one like it's there to be like, hey. We wanted somebody, and it was a better answer. It's also the e- like the easiest answer, because a very large part yes. of why the demons are fine is a philosophical question, which is, what should demons do with humans? And mm-hmm. the reason why Yusuke's dad is dead is because he refuses to eat humans. He doesn't think he should have to, so he just starves himself, and that's how he dies. And the other two are kind of like a more moderate approach of, like, we should, you know, not eat too many, but, like, you know come on <laughs> we're gonna eat right. a little bit and the guy's like fuck it you know humans are are you know are are inferiors we should just eat them so the person who wins the tournament literally his guiding code because this tournament is to determine who will lead demon world his guiding principle is like you know be cool like just be on. cool like come on everyone guys. try everyone try and be better let's just all yeah. agree on this like, come on and everyone's guys. like I gotta like this guy, so I'll listen to it. <laughs> yeah, in in the situation you're at right now, we're like, I need to establish something quickly, and the other ones, yes, don't like. You can't have one of the two biggest characters there right. win because they both are like, we're gonna eat some humans. This guy's kind of like, you know, just a little bit, you know, enough that nobody's really gonna notice anything goes missing, you know. And in the ultimate example of, I need to wrap this up in a like the chapter or like two chapters after the tournament is finished it's revealed the demons not so bad they're not they're not not so bad uh turns out that uh koema who we have not talked about this entire time uh yusuke's boss who takes the form of a baby most of the time uh his father uh you know 
runs the spirit realm and is responsible for like you know the the way that the afterlife is run and his tasks uh you know Cohen Metastiuske with doing stuff and but King Yama is the one who decides everything turns out he's been making bunch of shit up yeah the whole time he's been making up how bad demons are turns out a lot of the times the demons are aggressive towards humans humans were aggressive towards them first it's like yeah there are some bad demons sure but it's greatly exaggerated so since we died for nothing, I guess. <laughs> well, it's not that since we died for nothing. Um, because since we honestly probably would have been like, no, this is the right call. Humans still deserve right. to die. Uh, right. It's more so that the entire like dramatic uh, crux of that arc, like we cannot let this guy break down right. this barrier, is like not actually a thing in retrospect. Like no. It's actually fine. Because I think It'll they even fine. reveal later, they're like, actually, it has just broken. Like it's just casually. Yeah, no one... They break it down, and literally people who aren't in the know about it don't even notice it happening. Yeah. So, uh, but no, th- it is completely right. Where there is this thing where it's like, yeah, uh, Koenma's dad is actually behind this massive conspiracy that, to this point, has never really been never. a thing. We never see his dad <laughs> again. There's just kind of like a, a place of like, oh no, th- th- there was a big bad conspiracy. Uh, but Koenma discovered it and is putting a stop to it because he's a good guy who's just like, cool, like I'm gonna I'm gonna go along with it. Um but it is There's definitely a- like this was an idea I had intended to explore, yeah. but I did not have time to do it. Uh there's a terrorist plot that happens in one chapter, uh that seems like it was also gonna be a big deal, uh, and it's done. I, I and- that to me is very interesting because this felt like I don't know exactly the um to the week publication thing for this but that did almost feel like the chapter where togashi was like i think i could do this like i think i can come back and do us like a little bit more and have another action thing and then the next chapter is like no i can't and it's just done i have to end this um and i i do want to stress I, this is this is sort of the time to, to talk about right now is the series abruptly and togashi was unable to continue it uh and then took like a pause and then came back with hunter hunter um and i i don't blame him like uh this is uh, a brutal brutal work environment uh you can even see his fatigue at like the start of the manga if you're reading this on viz it just uses the uh volume chapter so you get like the volume extra stuff and he'll, sometimes he'll just talk about it. he's just like i have like two hours three hours a week to kind of like do things to my like for myself and like one day i just did an all-nighter so i was just stumbling to get something to keep me going and stuff like that is like a very brutal kind of existence and it's you know i i, I want to give like the utmost sympathy um especially somebody who just recently did an interview where he had to talk about he's like so here's how hunter hunter is going to end if i die before i get to complete it like he straight up has come out and given an ending to people that if he passes before he gets to finish it, this is what you get to look to. Uh, or this is what you get to hit canon as sort of the ending. And it's like a very dark and awful way to to think of that story's conclusion. Um, but I also understand why he wants to put it out there as we just had another long-running series, Berserk, that's going to end without you know the author's intended conclusion to it. So like I imagine for him, he's like, look, I... I'm going to try. I have ideas, but like, if I don't, here's what's, you know, here's the ending. So I, I, I totally empathize with it. I don't look at it as like, 
oh, this is something I'm angry about or anything. I don't think anybody should, but um, it is one of these things that, like, I sit there and say, like, oh, this is also how this ended. And it, it rings true for a lot of the feelings towards Hunter Hunter's recent points where we're at now, where it also feels very choppy. Like, Togashi mm-hmm. gets a moment of, like, a burst of energy and draws a couple more chapters and then kind of calms down a little bit and then you know etc etc or whatever it just has sort of that same energy i guess it's definitely been an enlightening experience to see how some chapters especially towards the end of of yu show how you can see blatantly that he's he's not in it uh you know as a combination of you know his his mental state physical health general level enthusiasm uh how much sketchier uh, a lot of uh the frames suddenly become and stuff and uh it's crazy to think like geez like the guy was going through this 25 years ago and uh has been struggling with it ever since so you ever need to know if if you ever need to if someone who is not in the know of that lies like why is hunter keep on going on hiatus and stuff this is a pretty good example of this. Well before Hunter Hunter ever started, this is the kind of stuff that Tagashi was, you know, dealing with. Um now I said at the beginning of this that I had a pretty not great <laughs> time reading this. Uh and I think that is just because I don't really vibe with the way that Tagashi paces his series, even at the best of times. I think that he gets distracted very easily by different things. Uh, and the way that he does stuff is just to just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, I understand why I have a hard time focusing on creative stuff too, uh, when I'm not into it, but I, again, don't really vibe with the way that he tends to like to do stuff. And that said, he has so many good ideas. Mm-hmm. He's got a great ideas, great ideas for weird powers, uh, just, you know, character concepts and designs, whether they be simple or more ornate. Like, you know, when you start off with like, you know, the two punk kids at the start of this, they both, you know, Kuabar and Yusuke are both great, even though they're very simplistic designs. And then you get into like the dark tournament and there's that very, very memorable Fox girl announcer. Uh, uh-huh. Who does nothing, but <laughs> there's a lot of love in her design. <laughs> and I'll, I'll throw a proper support to the Seagirl uh, uh, announcer after that, the second announcer, dragon announcer, yep. whatever. Uh, both great designs, truly. I mean, they literally bring them back later and with the third announcer. I was so happy. And I was all, so happy about that. I was like, yay! <laughs> yeah, they're, like, they're, they're basically an idol group at this point. <laughs> like you, you come to get their autograph. Um, and... I think that that's that's something that I've got to say is like, yes, look, Tagashi is very good at some things, and I really don't like the way that he utilizes his ideas a lot of the time. I think that that's just the conclusion I've got to live with. Um, When you're allowed to kind of, when someone else comes in and kind of plays around with those ideas, I I have, I think, enjoyed them more. But someone's got to come up with those really good ideas first, and uh, Mm. he is a goldmine of that stuff. Yeah, like, uh, I don't want to take anything away from the fact that uh, Yu Hakusho is a legendary series, Togashi is a legendary mangaka, uh, and 
Uh, his work is great, but I, I, I do, I think not as strongly as you, but I, I do vibe a little bit with the idea that I'm like, maybe this also just isn't exactly my speed. Um, there's parts of Yu Hakusho I really, really liked and other parts I wasn't as big of a fan of. I will say that one, the one thing I think really holds up in this series is Yusuke as a protagonist, having like a punk delinquent be your protagonist who kind of has a little bit of like oh he might cheat edge or like he'll be a little bit of a trickster kind of thing but also just he's kind of a dick he's just kind of mean sometimes yeah. um but you're able to be like i know deep down he's again his best friend at the start of the series keiko who he is constantly romantically linked to as like at the a big part of the story is that as they're growing older they're just growing more and more romantically in love with each other. And he will not stop sexually harassing her. He is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I, I think Yusuke as a protagonist feels very cool and interesting in a way that like, I feel like a lot of shonen protagonists don't get to be that interesting and cool a lot of time. So he really does stand out even by today's standards. Like I think if you were to mm -hmm. put him in comparison to a lot of our today shonen protagonists, he would still pop just as much. Um, so like great stuff in there, but I, I do think that there are flaws to the pacing that would probably make the anime probably a more enjoyable watch for me. Um, but fuck, there are some cool things. That sniper fight, I didn't get to talk about that. The sniper fight is so cool. The guy has the ability that once he targets you, anything he like shoots gets to become uh like just to home in on you. And eventually he just shoots a truck at you, Skay. It's the coolest fucking thing. The second that truck comes, he's like, Oh, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I was like, this is good. This is A plus use of this power. Uh yeah. We have been talking about Yu Yu Hakusho for a long time, Quinn, so I think... Yes, we have to really hurry through some manga at this point. Yeah. Uh, all right. <sighs> My Hero Academia, chapter 407, An Exceptional Child, uh, a.k.a. a little bit of... A <laughs> little bit of... Let's uh, go back and uh, change history a little bit. You know, the, the whole glowing child thing that we began the series with. Eh, not so much. The first, <laughs> uh, the first person with the quirk. But that's okay. History is sketchy, basically. Uh, we get the origins of All for One and his brother, uh, as in all, wherein we see them as twins uh, inside the womb of their mother, their mother who's are starting to have weird growths on her body. And uh, All for One is a dickhead even as a child, taking all the nutrients uh, while they're there. And even when, and then uh, when they're born, their mother dies uh, in birth. The growth on their mother have disappeared because All for One has absorbed them with his with his quirk. Ooh. Mm. Uh, and uh, then they're swept away by the river. Okay. Uh, and then we get some more stuff about you know meta abilities and the and the way that they're discovered and stuff and stuff by human society because you know these two were just on the outskirts of society. No one saw them. They did see that glowing baby that would that the that the mother had you know in her home. Uh, so that happens, uh, and conflict breaks out because, uh, human humanity is, you know, having a bad reaction to people with superpowers showing up. So the military is active. They come across all for one as a creepy child. Look at those eyes. Ah! 
Uh, he kills them with his with the growth quirk that he got from his mother, which is the tendrils that we have seen Offer One using at various points during this. The same ones that he used to gore Bakugo. And um, yeah, he's scary. Uh, big he's like big a, claw tendrils. He's, he's a weird little freak. He always has been, Nick. Always has been a, a little asshole. Uh, he ch- he eats people. He's not he's not good. Um, his uh little brother, very little brother, because he's like three times the size of his brother at this point. Still, like, no, don't hurt people, because you know he took all the nutrients because he was an asshole. Uh, and uh, as they you know kept on going through all this st- stuff, you know little little brother found superhero comics and was like, I want to be like him someday. And a, and Bigger Brother was like, oh, I want to be the Demon Lord instead. That would be cooler. <laughs> I'm going to be so fucking radical. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, he's like, there were all these people with meta abilities in India, so I killed their leader and stole their quirks. Why? Remember what the comic book said? One for all and all for one. Words to live by. That hero had to hide his identity and battle in solitude while everyone paid tribute to the wicked demon lord. Now I want to be the demon lord because then people will worship me and stuff. Cool. What an asshole. (laughs) And um, that's it. Uh, And we see that a big motivation in All for One's life, of course, is that his brother was taken away from him by the next wielder of One for All. And... uh, he wants to possess that. Uh, he w- doesn't want people to abandon him. And he proclaims, if you refuse to be mine, then enough of this. Basically, if I can't have you, then no one can. I'll yes. kill you. Uh, which is cool. Like We get some 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 interesting development. This is like almost a horror manga. It's so creepy mm-hmm. and unnerving. Uh, or horror, horror chapter, rather. Um, so it's, you know, it's nice that we get some some all for one sort of explanation and and really kind of delve into his his thought process i'm still not like a huge fan of this character since his his personality boils down to i'm kind of an insane idiot um but you know it's nice seeing like this perspective uh and i assume we're just gonna jump right back into the fight after this like we're, we're gonna just go right back in and i don't think it doesn't seem like there's more to this story to tell it seems like we've gotten the point across mm-hmm. uh which is that you know all for one is very much like you know everything should be mine i'm gonna take what's mine and uh this thing that was mine left me how yes. dare how, how dare. dare yeah uh, uh, and also He's projecting that also onto, you know, the second builder as well. The person who enabled his brother to leave him. In Mm -hmm. other words, you stole him from me. Yeah, this is why I hate that man so much. Uh, But he also hates like six men. So, yeah, calm down. Also, he eats people. So maybe we don't need to, like, actually care about why he's he's (laughs) this guy. Yeah. Uh, Nick, would you like to talk about Undead Unlock? I would. Yes, let's do that. This is number 184, Bankara. Uh, the gang's in New York. Well, I shouldn't say the gang. Mm-hmm. It's just Nico, uh, Fuko, Gina, and Rip. Uh, they're waiting in line for this ramen place. They explain. They're like, hey, we got some intel. We managed to technically finish the quest. Uh, Apocalypse was like, yeah, you did a lot. You basically killed him. I'm not. I'm going to give this to you, but I'm going to join your side, Paka. That's like I care about you. <laughs> 
Uh, the entire time, Fuku is thinking like, ah, though the smell of this place really brings back memories. They get to this very tiny little food bar. It took them like three hours to get there. And there's only one item on the menu. And Fuku immediately starts like giving off like a very complicated order. Everyone's like, what the fuck? And he's like, yep, got it on, on the way. So everyone's like, I guess we'll have what she's having. And they, it's huge. It's <laughs> unreasonable amounts of ramen it's very expensive so it makes sense but uh, a ludicrous amount um and nico's just like i don't really get what's going on here why are you talking about this ramen being the best in the world and he takes a sip and he's like can you, can you give me the can you give me the larger size now please and it just hard cuts to him and he's like i even drank the broth um, there is so much of that. Stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, a, a, an angry customer comes up and is like, "Hey, when I finished my meal, there was a roach at the bottom of it. Like, you're—if I die, like, you're gonna hand over medical expenses." And this character, who we eventually find out is engine, it's not a shock that it's engine, uh, is basically just like, "Hey, you know what? I don't care if you don't have money or if you're a bad person, but if you're not ready to face death, then I ain't letting you eat my ramen." And he punches him so hard the guy just starts vomiting up the ramen. <laughs> Give up the give back the ramen. Give yeah. it back. Yeah, puts back in the bowl. All right, next up, uh, Fuko is. You know pay- what? It's even better this yeah, time. Oh my god, the stomach acid really kind of <laughs> moistens the flavor. Really, uh. really juices it. Uh, Fuko is just like, ah, oh, yeah, this guy hasn't changed one bit, Mister Engine. And they're like, wait, you knew this was Engine? She's like, like not really, but like once I got close yeah i kind of like i figured this out uh and she mentions that she's had his food once before in the previous loop however by that point he was unburned so he couldn't have cooked basically so yeah, instead sucks yeah instead rip uh prepared the food for him using his recipe and she's like it was the best ramen i've ever had and she just kind of knows she's like yeah it was really good it's why like the flavor of the ramen you have right now is just missing something. It's, it's something in the broth. I can't really explain. And it's like, like, you want to explain yourself, young Missy? Because uh, yeah. those them's fighting words you, at this stall. You have offended my honor. He's just like, nah. you're gonna be vomiting up that ramen suit if you don't explain <laughs> uh, yourself. Time to swing up my punching hand, my refund hand. Uh, but he's like, yeah, I've traveled the world. I've, I've, I've studied this recipe. I've given it to so many people. Like, this is the best ramen in the world. And Fuku's just like, yeah, my old you managed to surpass it. She made something that was wicked sick, the sickest dish of all. And then she's like, oh, no, I've heard rumors of the red cap ramen eater who, who refers to ramen as the, the sickest of all dishes. And they're like, no, you can't possibly be. You would be like 100 years old. And she's just like, all right, cool. Well... I want to challenge you to a contest, basically. I believe that I, I like I want to have a ramen contest. I should note there is a flashback very briefly where we see Fuko eating this ramen. And Engine at the time is like, hey, thanks for cooking, Rip. And he's like, yeah, it's no problem. Are you sure you want to share this recipe, though? Because this is like good shit, especially the secret ingredient. And Engine just looks sad and he says, it doesn't really matter. The person I wanted to feed it to the most is long gone now. So I'd yeah. like you to eat this dish to mourn. So I've, I think this is a, the sad backstory we're about to step into here. Um, Fugo's like, yeah, let's have a contest then. I, I want to hit you with that flavor that's been missing. Uh, <laughs> Nico's just like, wait, weren't we supposed to recruit him? And she's like, nah, it's, it's, cooking, it's a cooking manga now for a little bit, basically. And Engine says, 
I'm an idiot after all, so I can only do my ramen, uh, let my ramen do their talking. And uh, they're going to have their fight in three days. Yeah, uh, this was a very weird little chapter, but a lot of fun. I love that there is no hint of any irony in this ramen is serious business discussion between Fuko and Engine. Engine punches that guy in the gut because he insults his ramen. No one blinks at it. It's great. It's taking this absurd contest between the two of them very, very seriously. And I very much appreciate that. And hey, you throw in that intrigue of who did Engine want to cook for? And I'm like, I want to know. I got to find out. I want to know. Rip my heart out. Damn it. (laughs) Do it. Uh, So, yeah, I'm on board. Yep. Good stuff. Nick, let's talk about Blue Box. Blue Box, chapter 126, take our time. Blue Box, who, by the way, got the cover of Shonen Jump this week to celebrate that an anime has been announced for it. Also, this is kind of tangential, uh, but we're talking about a sports manga. We would be remiss if we didn't mention that there is a new bonus podcast available on our Patreon where Nick and I draft an NFL offense based ent- entirely off of recent Shona Jump characters. Uh, does any character from Blue Box make the list? Mm-hmm. No, uh, there's way stronger characters out there. Unfortunately, Taiki can probably run a pretty quick 40, but there's like 100 characters you can... <laughs> Like, shoot miles in a distance uh, in a second. But uh, listen to it to find out who does make the list. That's right. Uh, So last time, Chinatsu and Taiki were having lunch together. And some people were going to come into the supply closet where they were. They were going to find them together. Yes! Ah! Uh, uh, The people outside find uh, find the thing they're looking for outside without coming to so they, they, they don't find Taiki Chinatsu. It's fine. I thought what I find so funny is like there was supposed to be dramatic tension. Neither Taiki nor Chinatsu even fucking sat up. Like they both are just no. like staring at the door, just like oh, glad that they left. Yeah. Yep. So they have a very very low sigh of relief, and then Chinatsu says because Taiki had suggested like, hey, do we need to keep our relationship secret? Uh, she said she says like, look, why don't we just hide it for a bit longer? Because I don't know if I'm really ready to reveal it yet. And Taiki says, yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, if my friends were to find out, they'd probably hound me with questions. So, yeah, let's just move at our own pace. And uh, so that matter is settled for now. And then Shinatsu says, okay, uh, and in exchange, and uh, she, she, she holds her arms out towards Taiki. And Taiki goes, huh? And Shinatsu just says, hug. <laughs> give, give her a hug <laughs> I need to recharge uh, and Taiki's like yeah but, uh, uh, and they're both oh my god these kids uh, they they just have a very very nice hug of arms fully around each other while they're kneeling there and uh, when they part uh, uh, they're both blushing heavily and Taiki thinks and this is so weird she smells so nice even though we use the same soap. <laughs> uh, it's oh, it's such an adorable moment. You're like, what a fucking nerd. It's just like, we, she smells so good, but we both have the same soap. What's up with that? 
Um, so they they part, and she's just like, okay, yeah, I've, I've like read Parch, so yeah, I, I'm going to be able to like you know really throw myself into the, the rest of the sports festival this afternoon. So she backs off. Taiki like falls to it's, the ground it's, because it's painful. Oh! It's painful because there's a moment where they're they're pulled away, and we just see their their lips essentially. Like, and are they gonna kiss? Nervous, nope. And then nope. they both like kind of grimace, and they're like, "No, I, I gotta, I gotta go prepare myself for for the fucking relay race or whatever." Yep, which they're both taking part in uh, for their respective teams because, of course, they're both very athletic people and stuff. Uh, so they're like, "All right, you know, like the the red team and blue team are they're neck and neck right now. Uh, so like the winner of this is basically gonna win the whole thing." Uh, so, uh, Taiki is getting set to receive the baton. He is standing, uh, next to Haryu, uh, during this. And, uh, he's like, Hey, I think the red team's going to be in the lead when they come around. Uh, and, but you know, we've got the ace of the track and field team, uh, which is no fair, but Taiki's like, we can't afford to lose. But before they, they have, the, they get to receive the baton. They're both getting set. Haryu says to Taiki, the two of us are going to nationals. And Taiki's like, well, why are you bringing this up right now? And Haru says, look, you might be in the lead right now, but don't rest in your laurels or someone will catch you from behind. So the two of them take off. Uh, Taiki does have start with a, a bit of a head start on Haru. And uh, but he's closing in. So Taiki like realizes this and he be, keeps on. He forced himself forward and he hands off his baton uh, while still maintaining the lead. Uh, and as he does so, like when he lunges for like his headband falls off. So he kneels down to pick it up. And so he looks up as Chinatsu is dashing past him because she's the anchor for her team. And she's got a lead that she's got to make up. She's going after and Taiki is just watching his girlfriend now just like completely drawn into her now that he's no longer focused on what he's doing and how he's gotten that shot, that view of her. And the crowd is getting, going crazy. Chinatsu, who is the track and field ace in addition to the basketball ace, there is crossover. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, she's going for it, and Taiki shouts out, Senpai, you can do it. Just Aww. yells it out. And Chinatsu uh, just manages to edge out the competition. She wins it for the blue team. Like you can see the guy behind her, like a couple feet at most. Uh, and so she's sworn by her, her teammates, and they're like, yeah, you did it, Chinatsu. But she looks around the crowd, and she spots Taiki, and he's just picked his headband up, and he's like, hiding behind it. <sighs> it's very cute. Uh, and Kyo, Kyo oh. says, dude, you just cheered for Chinatsu. <laughs> he's like, I tried, shut up, and... And uh, that's it. That's blue team wins, and Shinatsu and Haru's team gets to enjoy the special bread, and that that's our chapter. Just a cute little, tiny little panel of them all just nom, nom, eating bread. So. Congrats to them. It's a very very cute chapter. I like uh, the little speech Haru gives. I like um, Taiki getting to cheer for Shinatsu. I like they just share a little hug. It's very very sweet and adorable. Mm -hmm. It's good stuff. Really really makes you feel good. Yeah. Speaking, Speaking of things of that make you feel good. <laughs> Let's talk about Boruto, Nick, to Blue Wing. Vortex. Boruto Chapter 4, The Awakening. So last time, Boruto had a plan, a devious plan to 
beat the shit out of Code until he ran away and sneaking a frog on him to spy and find the tentails. And so he's, he's done that. He's spying on him through his frog. And uh, the frog that's on him is like, hey, Borto, hurry up. You know, we don't have time for this. And Bart's like, okay, can you be quiet? Because I'm not as deft at this as my grandpa is. Uh, and Kawaki is just watching him, like, mutter to himself. And he's like, who is he talking to? And then Boruto goes, flying Raijin Jutsu! And poof, teleports there! He teleports to where he's left his frog spy on, on code using the the fourth Hokage's uh, special technique to instant transmit, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, code, our boy code, just looks at Boruto completely before, like, how, how'd you, how'd you get here? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> but Boruto looks at the pit where the tentail was, was staked up and it, it's gone. Just a weird black mass there. He's like, where to go? And then Boruto looks over at one of the chakra trees that has sprouted up in the, in the area. And Code's meanwhile like, what is this frog doing here? <laughs> he's so confused. Which is very funny. You're in, I guess he's not a ninja. He's just a fucking loser in the lab. But like, it is very funny to me in a series with like super powerful ninjas. They could very easily be like, oh, clearly you planted us on me. But f- fucking Code can't. He's like, how did this doesn't? Where'd this frog come from? What's going on here? So... A claw grime looking guy, but with a long beard and a very distinct lack of teeth has appeared. And Code's been bored to spy him at the same time. Borta goes, damn it, it's too late. And Code goes, wait, bug? And of course, bug is over in that chakra tree over there. What can this mean? And Borta says, by bug, are you referring to that guy who's become a tree behind us? Because that ain't bug. That creature in front of us is a divine tree. Code's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what is happening? Sorry, Code, you're not the villain anymore. It's, you had a good, you didn't have a good run. You had well, an attempt at a good run. Embarrassing run. But it's very funny to have a character who's so clueless to everything. He's just like, Huh? What's happened? Like, I understand it has to happen. Like, Boruto needs to explain this to the audience because he's, like, knowledgeable about these things. But it's very funny for Code, the former major antagonist of the series, to be like, I have no idea what's happening. Why what is, is there a frog on? here? Who is this person? What's going on? So, Divine Tree Bug goes after Boruto and starts attacking him and they go and then he says have you come to offer yourself to be devoured Otsutsuki Boruto calls him Otsutsuki Boruto oh because no one recognizes him as an Uzumaki anymore and also he's not an Otsutsuki so they're calling him that Uh Uh, so uh, Boruto fights him off with lightning stuff they fight he makes like a big mouth on, on his arm and stuff uh, but Boruto uses his instant Raijin transmission to teleport out of the way. Uh, and Code's like, tell me oh. what's happening. Because uh, he's still got the, the, the oh, vertigo jutsu on him. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Please help. Oh, boy. Starting to fall over. Get a little dizzy, Boruto. 
So Boruto's like, all right, I rescind the jutsu. Get up and prepare for enemy attack. There's no time to explain. Right now, help me if you don't want to die. I would, like, what? I would prefer to just leave. And Coat's like, tell me what's happening. Why is the, why is Bug uh, uh, this thing? And Boruto's like, it's not just Bug. It involves others, too. Everyone who's been turned into a tree. Uh, and uh, a guy up in the sky goes, Chakra, all life on a planet, current as well as past and long dead. We divine trees exist to suck the chakra out of all living things and form a chakra fruit. At least that was our original driving instinct. But code, we appear to have evolved a bit thanks to you awakening self-awareness in us. Cool. So I guess this is because he did the Claw Grimes thing. I guess. Anyway, uh, there's a girl who was wearing a jester cap thing. So and, uh, I, she... I just remember somebody seeing this and being like, this is the hottest Naruto character of all time. Be like, all right, buddy. I get what you're into. That's fine. <laughs> She's got among the better designs between these people who all show up, admittedly. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I prefer this design a hundred times more than the guy who has, I think, like a... a a strap mohawk, essentially. <laughs> and, and a, also, and a backwards poncho. Yeah, like I was like, <laughs> I don't understand how he's choosing to wear this poncho, but it's not correct. In addition to them, there's a guy in a, a hood strap. Ooh. So we cut, cut away from there to where Kawaki is reporting to Shikamaru. And, who, and just sounds like, yeah, he, he vanished. So does he have space-time jutsu? Yes, that's that's the only way it's instantly transport in, among all the jutsu. You're right, Shikamaru, that's it. So, uh, but Kawaki's like, I mean, he went after Code, it seems like. So what you're saying is he only came to Konoha to go after Code? Uh, and they start, like, throwing theories around. Uh, and uh, so Kawaki's like, well, maybe, well, he was talking to someone. So maybe they're linked. Maybe it has to do with the sentry unit. And Shikamaru's like, no. All content of the sensory unit mind transmissions are being monitored. That's why Nishida doesn't work for us anymore because we could tell that he was not doing anything. He was just browsing Twitter where he was supposed to be watching children. Uh, and Serata comes in because she just has access to the Hokage's office whenever she wants to or complain about stuff, I guess. Uh, and she's like, it's way simpler than that. Code attacked Konoha. Boruto drove him off. That is very obvious from the discussion they actually had. And Kawaki's like, you don't understand. Boruto's no Tsutsuki. He can't be trusted. All he wants to do is he needs to be killed for being Otsutsuki. And Sarada's like, you're an Otsutsuki. I'm different. <laughs> I'm an Otsutsuki killing Otsutsuki. My powers exist to kill other Otsutsuki. Everyone stop saying Otsutsuki, please. It's not a... It's not a uh, you can't just slip that into conversation. So, so Kawaki's like, I'll I'll even off myself after I kill all the others. And Sarada's like, I won't let you have your way in Konoha as a shinobi who aims to become Hokage. It's like, just, okay, just in case anyone forgot, uh -huh. it's only what you've been saying about yourself since the first chapter of the, of not even Boruto, of your own series, but okay. So then Shikamaru goes, both of you, be quiet, unless you want to piss off the current Hokage. 
Oh, yeah, you got him. You got him, Shikamaru. You tell those teenagers. God. So he wants to know what's going on. And Sarada's like, look, regardless of what Boruto's actually like trying to do, what his motives are, obviously he and Code are enemies. So maybe we should consider working with him. Makes sense. Sure. Meanwhile, people with too much leather are looking ominous at, at, at Code and Boruto. And Boruto draws his sword and the frog on his shoulder is like, you need to leave. This has gone bad. Uh, and Hood uh, Shocker Guy comes out of uh, a claw mark and go and goes to attack uh, Boruto and Code, but uh, he gets Rasengan, I guess, uh, and fighting happens, uh, and fighting happens, and Boruto gets stuck in a in a tree, and Boruto's like, Code, help me! They'll kill you too. And Code says. I mean, I want you to be eaten by them. So <laughs> this sounds like a good development for code. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> then he opens, he's like, I shall slide into one of my straps. I've they've established they can travel between these, but I will be safe on the other side of one. <laughs> Surely no one will go after I. Code. <laughs> the true villain of this story. <laughs> As he just slides out of frame. <laughs> So Boruto looks up at Strap Mohawk Dude and goes Gah! and uh, teleports away uh, with, uh, with the instant Raijin thing. So Strap Mohawk Guy talks to no one. He just monologues and he's like, ah, with our self-awareness having just awakened, our overflowing curiosity and thirst for knowledge are still surpassing our inst instinctual drive to devour you. Run where you will, but no matter where you go, know that you can never escape your destiny. All right. Uh, cool. Whatever. Mm. Boruto has escaped. He is beside another chakra tree. And uh, he's, he just says to, aloud to not himself, uh, but to the Otsutsuki in his head, uh, Indra, Indra, whatever. Old Otsutsuki guy appears and says, no, that's, "You shouldn't the, be that rich again." That's that's not that's Cash and Koji. The Jiraiya clone guy. Is it? Yes, that's Cash and Koji. Everyone looks too similar. <laughs> this is a this is a real physical person who is talking to Parker. Okay, okay. Well, he says, "Like I'm not trying to console you, but you knew there was a high chance that, of this happening, and it doesn't change anything. We still must fight." And Boruto goes, yeah, sorry, you'll have to wait a bit longer, Sasuke. And it pans back to reveal that Sasuke has become a chakra tree, the gasp. So the hooded guy who looked kind of like Sasuke was a Sasuke chakra uh -huh. tree guy. Ooh. So as sarcastic as I've been during all of this, I say this with all sincerity. This is the best chapter of this second part of the story so far. <laughs> this is a good conclusion because i am intrigued to be like how did sasuke get into tree it it gives an idea to why boruto's kind of like going off on his own here we're trying to establish this idea that this is you know boruto's story so we're you know you got to do the thing where they're like we don't want to kill sasuke or naruto but both of them are out of commission for this arc 
So we're going to be following these characters. This is this is what the series is about. Um, and it kind of works, you know, Kashid Koji being there is a thing that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm glad you're paying off to something because I, I was ready to forget about you completely. I uh, had forgotten about him completely. Yeah. So uh, the new character. So all dog shit. Every single one of them looks absolutely like the girl looks OK in a way, maybe just because her outfit is the right kind of stupid. But truly, the 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 strap mohawk guy is one of the worst designs. This character needs to explode and come back. This, if anyone, if any character needs like a cell to perfect cell transformation, is this character? <laughs> I don't care who he has to absorb to get there. He can absorb Shino for all I care. Like all my favorite characters, like line them up in a row and gobble them up if it gets this character a better fucking design. Uh, yeah, it's, it is a truly weird, like, uh, we're just doing this now. It's just like, like all that stuff at the end of the last one, like setting up like Kawaki is an antagonist. Code is an antagonist. Who's going to be the villain of this story? Well, we made all those guys look like shit. So it's going to be these assholes who don't seem to have personality. Uh, huh. they're just there. And there's a Mohawk guy who monologues. Cool. Chainsaw Man. Chapter 149, Devil's Choice. Uh, We have seen this character before. He was uh, preaching at people on the street, and he says, I foretold this! I warned you mankind and devils would war! Uh, So he gets a, a big mob riled up saying that they need to burn Chainsaw Man and put a stop to this. Meanwhile, uh, Nayuta and uh, Fumiko and Denji are all hiding in an alleyway somewhere and they're like, alright, we gotta figure out what we're going to do. Denji says, like, hey, look, if, if, if things get bad, then I'll just, you know, I'll bust out the chainsaws. And Himiko says, like, no, this is the worst time for you to turn the chainsaw man because then they would start targeting you. Don't worry about it. I'll protect you guys. And Nayuta's like, fuck that. I'm stronger than you. I'll kill anything that attacks us. Because like, what if humans attack us? Pfft, humans are weak sauce. I'll kill them too. <laughs> uh, and so Denji says, like, you know, I'm worried about the apartment. And I to thinks about it for a second. She's like, yeah, the pets have got to be hungry. Yeah, we got to go home and feed the pets. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so Himiko's like, no, they'll stake out your apartment and and find you. We're, you're not going home. Let's go to like a public safety facility and I'll look out for you guys. And so Nayuta is like, no. Nah. And uh, points her finger at Himiko, fires a chain from her finger. Uh, she matrix dodges it, but it just goes through the window behind them and gets some old woman who starts putting Himiko in a chokehold. Not Himiko, Fumiko. And uh, so Denji realizes, like, oh, this is bad. Uh, Nayuta's got to try and kill Fumiko. Tickle attack! Starts tickling Nayuta to distract her. Uh, that releases her power. And uh, Denji tells Fumiko, you need to run. Like, look, we'll be fine. Naita's going to kill you. Uh, so she runs off. And that just leaves Naita alone with Denji, which means that I don't have to remember Fumiko's name anymore. There you go. So- <laughs> she'll, she'll never be important again. Nah. She shows up. And you're like, oh, it's Fumiko. I'm like, Nick, no, this is also Kashin Goji. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so uh, they're like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's go home. And Denji says, why'd you try and kill her? And Naita says, like, I'm a devil. Devils kill. Fish swim. Trees photosynthesize. It's the same thing. 
and you must feel it too. You feel alive when you're hurting people. Uh, and then she says, hey, you want to join the devils with me? And she's like, what? no. And I just says, look, I gave this a lot of thought before I fell asleep. <laughs> While I was on that for- roller coaster ride, <laughs> screaming, yeah, I really thought about whether or not to yeah. kill all humans. And she says, like, look, human culture is fun, but it's suffocating. And if we ruled over people as devils, you could do whatever you wanted. We could just eat all our favorite foods. We could own cats of every breed, a hundred dogs. And I love the way the Denji starts to say, but what about my, what about your friends at school? Because <laughs> Denji doesn't have friends at school. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't give a fuck about them. I don't care if they die. Uh, and so Denji does think about it for a second, and Naito realizes what's going on in his head, and he's like, you just thought about Asumitaka, didn't you? Why is she important to you? Why are you risking... You risked your life for her the other day. I, what's with you? I don't get it. And Denji says, because we kissed. Aww. Uh, and Naito's like, what, that's it? And Denji says, well, I mean, I've kissed a bunch of times up till now. And it always went horribly wrong. And the kiss I had with Asa was the one time I didn't get hurt. Oh, my poor boy. (laughs) So, Nayuta goes, do you like her? And he holds his fingers apart about a foot and goes, yeah, I like her this much. And Nayuta says, well, what about me? Spreads his arms big and wide to show how much he likes Nayuta. And so Nayuta gets a weird little kid smile on her face, jumps up and hugs Denji while gripping onto him. And she says, Fine, I won't kill humans. Now let's hurry. Mush. It's, it's like a dog. It's very, very cute. I just specifically love the moment of like, do you really like her? Like, yeah, like this. What about me? This. It's it's very sweet. That's it's it's a cute moment. So. Yeah. Nayuta is a devil. She's also a child. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh all right. Oh, gosh, sorry. I forgot that we're already coming up on Ian Zero, and I have to open up the chapter, and I have so many advertisements. Here we go. Ian Zero. Man, do all your dailies. Come on. (laughs) Chapter 265, just beyond this point. Uh, So the it's just Shiki and Rebecca are on the Eden's one. They're like, hey, Void isn't on here. And sister, or not sister, witch is like, hey, Void is on his way to Mother. You, he wants to destroy you. You guys got to go get to her. So Rebecca's like, all right, I'm going to use my ether gear to make this ship go fast. and carry two people now. The ship changes sizes, apparently. Uh, she uses her ether gear to make herself go faster. This also increases her like face breaking, which I didn't think yeah. that's how it worked. I thought those were nope. kind of two separate powers, but I guess they're linked for this reason. Uh, Rebecca's like, uh, I don't know how to get to like mother, but I I think I have a link for the Eden Zero, so I, I think it's gonna work. She just is worried that she's not gonna be able to survive long enough because she's very tired, and she goes like, "Hey, I'm gonna go leave." So he, te- he uses his wormhole, he teleports into the ship, finds a uh, sister. He's like, "Hey, I'm gonna teleport everybody off the ship because the ship's self-destructing," and sister's like, "No, fuck that." Uh, I be- this is Ziggy's ship. This is our ship. I believe in Hermit. We're gonna the, the Zero is not going to explode. So he's like, I knew you'd say that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go beat Void. 
and he teleports back onto the ship uh, with Rebecca. And he's like, hey, I have magic energy restoring juice, basically. He has like an energy drink. Um, it's very, very funny to me because we talked about last week or a couple weeks ago when she got stabbed to the chest. I was like, you have a doctor on the ship who can magically heal things. And then they literally established that uh, <laughs> there's like an energy drink you could just drink. And it immediately heals all of Rebecca's wo- like face wounds. Like the cracks start going away. Um, it's Cosmo energy drink. That means nothing. Shiki's like, oh, cool. This gives me temporary space immunity. So I'm going to teleport out of the ship. And I'm going to go chase down Void. And he punches Void. And he says, Void. And then Void says, Shiki. Or maybe I should call you Baby Ziggy. And Shiki's like, he uses gravity too. It's like, Shiki, you've run into like 100 people who use gravity. I don't know why you're surprised at this point. Uh, But they have a little standoff. They're like, hey, we're in Mother's presence. Let Let us determine whose kind will be the ones to perish. And that is where the chapter ends. We have no 20,000 years ago flashback because there was so much intense fighting to get to. This was an incredibly skippable chapter. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it also features weird gold nuggets of garbage writing, like just weird bits of convenience. For those, oh, well, Rebecca really pushed herself and, and Shiki, like, how is he going to fight Void in space? We'll just pop back. We'll just teleport back to the to the Eden Zero and grab some supplies that magically fix our problems. Uh-huh. Like, if you can teleport like this, why, through portals like this, why do you even need these ships for dogfights and stuff? Uh, it, it, it's such a, like, it's just magic. It's yeah. just magic. Uh, I... Like I, I'm not even like angry. It's just like I'm just I feel like because I'm sick of like yelling to the void of how bad and <laughs> the void, Nick. Yep, there we go. Um, yeah, no, I, I understand it. It's it's just a level of like, why should I care? If you don't care, if why don't should care. I care? <laughs> uh, you know what I do. You know what I do know. You care about hero, but because there were. Two different, really blatant ass shots that were that were not necessary in this chapter. I didn't even bother mentioning them. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, what, what, what am I to say at this point? Hero drew a bunch of butts in a chapter. I, 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 I you know, when, you know, Quinn, if we're talking about the stuff that Hero wants to put his time and effort into, maybe we should. <laughs> maybe like. we should. <laughs> Nick, do you think a lot of time wasn't put into the Cosmo Space Energy Drink? <laughs> Quinn, there is a wiki out there that is just for bath scenes in anime and manga. So there are people who dedicate a lot of time and effort into keeping track of fan service in manga. So maybe we should do that if that's going to be a big focus of heroes in every chapter of this series in fight sequences. Uh Uh-huh. Now, Nick, I have an important question to ask you. Cosmo Space Energy Drink. Cosmo didn't make it while he was turned because he was too busy uh, doming sister. Right. So we has the she. Time that he was. So I has like she always had a supply of Cosmo branded energy drinks? And anytime anyone asks, like I've never heard of this energy drink. Who's Cosmo? She's like, What's that? Stop asking questions. Shut up. I have not even barely concealed f- f- secret fetishes so or or, anyway. or is it like a thing when cosmo is summoned he's like ah <laughs> now get on your knees and then he restocks the fridge real quick <laughs> and then he's like time for paddling 
It is back. It is part of aftercare. <laughs> Listen, I can't be a good dom if I don't let you go out into space afterwards. If I don't give you something with a way too much caffeine than you need right now. I'm dom. I'm chemically doming you now. God, maybe it's like a thing where you know it's an the effect of a summon, where like you know the initial first turn thing when it first appears, like an effect goes off, so he goes up and uh, bring like a bunch of items pop, pop yeah. out of him that can add to the inventory instantly, and then there's you know the actual monster that you summon from it. Yeah, exactly. All the all all the loot drops, and then sister walked up afterwards, and you know she scrapped it all up and restocked the fridge. Basically, I don't think that's the motion she made. I don't think she made this motion. All right. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about yeah. Uh, no, Cypher Academy first. Oh, right, right. Sorry, I skipped. The, yeah, how could you? It's the judge. It's it's the court case of uh, Cypher Academy. Of, of yeah. The judge man. He's gonna what? Pay a thousand life points to destroy all of Joey's monsters mm-hmm. or something like that. Great effect. Great effect. Uh, I apologize. Broken as shit. What it could say. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize, Zambe. We we do not have time to do the entire Phoenix right thing for this, uh, but it is no. a funny idea. Uh, hey, hey, idea for uh, future WMR loops maybe. Uh-huh. Uh, chapter forty nine. One year's schemes begin with codes. And, uh, hey, one-year anniversary of Cypher Academy. Big two-page color spread to celebrate that. I can't Yay. believe it happened, Quinn. I'm very happy. It, it is It is a wild turn of events to be like, wow, we made it a year. And this series has gotten far in a year. I really feel like mm-hmm. this series has been running for like two or three years, considering how much content it's covered. Yeah. Uh, so floor 250 of the Virtual Academy is the Court of Law floor. Uh, so Deki Aichan is acting as judge and jury uh, for a and prosecutioner uh, for a trial uh, uh, for Toshisai, who is basically being put on trial for, you know, bad stuff she's done on behalf of, you know, Kick Attack Planning, her family's, you know, weapon producing company. And so there are also there's a bunch of Deki eyes that are like in the courthouse that are declaring her guilty and stuff. And Toshisai decrees, I will swear to tell only the truth obeying my conscience without encoding anything <laughs> everyone's a dork yeah so uh yugata and and invalides and uh kubinashi are part of the defense council and they realize like okay this is part of the trial here uh if you're found innocent you get to proceed to the next floor if you're found guilty you're instantly taken through the other door which leads to a scaffold. It's cost effective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, it's, you know, like if you die in the game, you you don't die for real, but you, you have to start over and it's bad. <laughs> Which is so. as bad as dying in real life. Yes. Um, I think these are bad jailers, Nick, because they let Toshisai keep her uh, uh, ammo uh, hair pieces, which is a weapon. Yeah. She, she could fire a machine gun now with those. Uh, she comes from a weapons producing family. I don't. I don't believe that she doesn't carry a, uh, some sort of side on her yeah. at all times. Yeah. Uh, we are introduced specifically to the prosecutor Dekiai Hokuai, Hakuai. Sorry. Uh, and uh, she says, "Look, uh, you, your family has created weapons and stuff. At what age did you start taking part in this work?" And Toshisai says, "Since I was nine, I was ordered to develop a weapon even a child can could use." from my own perspe- unique perspective as a child. 
the code name of the weapon I developed was the Gun Eye, a handgun that is extremely light with very little kickback, doesn't need to be maintained, and can be fired as many times as one wants. How did this get accomplished? Doesn't matter. Uh, it, it, look, it's a philosophical thing more than anything else, really. I don't think we're ever going to actually see this gun. Um, so it's, you know, a gun that essentially works the way like a toy gun works for a kid. You just go bang, 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 and it works. Uh, so Hakawai says, and that weapon slipped past law enforcement and was exported to a small country with no diplomatic relation to your own. What sort of tragic result did that lead to? And, you know, you got to, it's like, objection, that's a leading question. And the judge, Dekiai, is like, overruled! <laughs> Blatant! <laughs> uh, and so Toshisai says, like, look, uh, it got into the hands of the country's children. Uh, Peace Tour was completely overthrown. The government was toppled and the country fell into ruin. It destroyed an entire country, essentially. And most of the guns disappeared along with the children who all had warrants for their arrests. Uh, Yugata again tries to step in. Like she says, like, the defendant is clearly confused. And Toshisai says, I'm overruling that. <laughs> you can't do that. You're not the judge. Um, uh, so Dekiai says, we charge the defendant with a crime against humanity, which created over 500,000 victims. And for that, we seek the maximum of penalties. So Kubanashi says, all right. The defendant's counsel would like to to question her, uh, and uh, you got to get you know gets like a questioning look on her face, and Kubanashi says like you're also pretty bad at making excuses and getting out, out of things, so leave this to me. So different personalities, of course, uh, and she says, look, the defendant doesn't want to even look at me, so I like to you know request like a a screen of some sort, and Tish says like, no, no, it's fine. Recently. A certain friend's been a good influence on me, so I'm starting to think it might be possible for me to actually talk to you face to face. Aww, she and her, she and her, her good buddy Aroha, she's talking about. And of course, immediately you got to like looks over at Invalidus is like, is she talking about me? No, she's not talking about you. <laughs> it's okay though. Um, Kubanashi first like starts talking about like you know the Second Amendment of the United States, and they, they're like, no, that's invalid and stuff because this is Japan. Uh. But Kubanashi says, okay, well, tell me this. Were there school buses in this country? And they try and object to that because there's the intent. It doesn't seem to be clear, but she keeps on going. She says, look, I'm trying to establish the defendant's innocence. And Toshisai says, you're referring to the water buses. Uh, they they might have been referred to as school buses, yes. Uh, and Kubanashi says, all right, listen. Here's a, a code for you all. Two male, two boys and, and a girl get on a bus at a, one stop. Three boys and two girls get on the next stop. And she goes over through this list and she says, at the end of the trip, how many people are on the bus? And so Invalidus thinks like, oh, it's a trick question because it's like, oh, you're supposed to like, oh, not count the driver or the chauffeur or something. But Toshisai answers the code by saying one person's on the bus. And they're, you know, Hakuai's like, oh, she's in contempt of this court, blah, blah, blah. But Toshisai explains the children in the country had names, but they didn't have human rights. So to Damn. a foreigner like me, they the ship they called a school bus was a boat full of slaves, not people. Uh, the only person who was there, who was a person on it, was the coxswain. And essentially, all the people, the children who had guns, who started the revolt, 
or slaves who were given the tools to revolt and overthrow an unjust system. And so from this, Kubinashi says, the defendant created 500,000 victims, but by giving them the right to bear arms, she created more than 500,000 people from that because they had some human right. Uh, and from that, uh, the judge, Dekiai, declares Toshisai not guilty because she created a net positive by granting pe more people rights than were killed, which is a bizarrely detached way of looking at things, but it makes sense for her as an AI. So they're all allowed to progress based off of Toshisai being found innocent, not just her, but all of her defense mm -hmm. counsel. But as they're going down the steps to the next level, Toshisai says, look, the teen me is never going to forgive the nine-year-old me for putting weapons in the hands of a million children. And so my dream that I need to make come true is as soon as I become code emperor, I will enact an edict to destroy all the gun eyes that have been spread across the world. Cool. Cool. Uh, and uh, you got to realize that like, oh yeah, even if Iro Hasaka stops all the world's wars, the kindling, all those weapons, the still remains. So yeah. Uh, and uh, they, they, they talk a little bit about Hirozaka and they mention, oh, yeah, this is going to be potentially the most challenging level of this whole labyrinth because it's a floor where you must face your own code, karma. And so how is he going to overcome the crime of watching his teammates be murdered? Which oh, it'll be interesting to see. That's yeah, very great true. setup for that. Great, great foreshadowing of a big thing that's going to come for Hirozaka. I love this chapter. Uh, this is a Nice little courtroom scene that also gives us a big uh, thing for Toshisai. I think it'd be funny if they get down there and Aroha's just on the defense council and they're actually like, Emma, why are your sleeves so long? <laughs> the court finds you guilty of having way too long of sleeves, M-chan. <laughs> Objection! Ensa's got a very cool character design because of those sleeves. <laughs> ah! <laughs> Oh, right. Nick, now we can talk about Kagurabachi. All right, so it's a fight going on between Chihiro and bad guy, whose name I haven't memorized. Sojo, uh, I think. Something Sojo. Shoujo, Shoji, so, so, Sojo, Shoji, Sojo, 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 So, Sho, uh, he is Sho, fighting Chihiro. Sho, 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 Sho. Chihiro has been zapped by electricity because he needed to protect all the people in the street from the lightning blast that uh, Sho conjured up. Uh, but he's still maintaining the fight. And uh, meanwhile, Sho is saying is, is saying to himself like, ah, oh, damn it, this guy is, yeah, he's, he's still conscious. Was there some sort of energy leakage when I was charging up the attack? I guess it takes more than a week to master this sword. Ah, okay. Uh, so... But then he calls out Chihiro for like, oh, so you're saying that the purpose of these swords is to protect the weak? That's boring. That's boring, altruistic garbage. You don't understand the the cool, awesome weapons that Rokuhiro created. And Chihiro's like, don't you talk about my father that way. Bah! Uh, and uh, he starts dashing around using the technique uh, Nishiki, which basically imbues his attacks with high, high energy. He dashes around. Knocks Cloud Gouger out of Sho's hands, but uh, he catches it with his other hand, and then is just like, "All right, I still can't use the lightning attack, May, so I'll just use this one, Ketsu." And he summons a bunch of ice crystals around himself, 
uh, and Chihiro dashes through them, darts around behind him, and goes to attack him from behind, but Sho sees it coming and cuts out behind himself with the sword uh, and nearly takes off Chihiro's head, and Chihiro's immediately forced to back off. He's only barely managed to nick uh, his opponent with the attack instead. Uh, but then, before they can ex- continue their battle, uh, Chihiro spots uh, a car driving by that's got some bad guys in it, and he spots Char's leg sticking up uh, through one of the windows. And he realizes, oh, damn it. I, I, I was so focused on, on the enchanted blade that I didn't think that she would need my help, that I need to still protect her. And uh, he freezes up and dashes, but then dashes after her. Uh, but this gives uh, his opponent enough time to have charged up May for May again. Uh, launches the attack, but then uh, we get the run in. It, it's a dusty finish. There's no no, no contest to this mm-hmm. match as the uh, elite forces, the the Kaminabi, have shown up. A whole bunch of sorcerers, including Mister Mister Shiba, uh, have interfered. There's some weird looking guys too. There's a guy with a face mask. There's a guy with giant hands. I want to know yeah, his deal. Yeah, big hand. Big hand. And so we realize, like, all right, yeah, this is, uh, I'm not going to stick around for this. And so he stabs the sword into the ground, causes this big dust cloud to go off and uses that to make his escape. Meanwhile, Shihiro is still going after the car to try and save Char. He just blasts through the window, takes off a guy's head in all in the same motion and reaches for Char. And it turns out it's just her leg. Her leg got chopped off and, uh, by taking advantage of her abilities. So he like completely destroys the car, kills all but one person in it and holds them down. And the guy's like, master Sojo ordered us to confuse you by chopping her up. And it worked. (laughs) We fooled you. (laughs) Ow. Uh, And uh, Jihiro uh, realized, shit, this is, this is bad. Uh, And he, he declares, the hand holding my father's sword is complete trash. And it's, of course, nebulous. He does because he could be talking about Sojo for being a piece of trash, or he could be talking about himself for failing to. It's, yeah, he's, he's, ta- he's talking about both. And I, I like that. It's 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 a good it's a good little writing moment. Uh, and of course, he's just been struck by lightning and he just had a mass last burst of energy and he starts to collapse. Shiba catches him uh, and uh, finds out that Sojo has vanished. And uh, meanwhile, we check in with Char, who uh, is safe because her legs just grow back. But she's, of course, been kidnapped. Sojo gets into the same car. And was like, oh, man, uh, you're back. Did you master the enchanted blade? And Sojo says, nah, in a real fight, it's another animal completely. I need to deepen my understanding, presumably by murdering more people with it. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, all right, but we can resume the plan now. We've got the material back. And he says, yeah plan to surpass Kunishige Rokuhira. Uh, and uh, they're like, all right, well, should we forget about the new Enchanted Blade? And he's like, no, of course not. We need to talk more. And, uh, yep, so that's that's the end of our chapter. Char's been kidnapped by the bad guys. Again. Yeah. Um, there, I have a lot of frustration with this chapter. I feel like there's, like, fine concept going on, but the series does not know how to create tension um instead of just having like this big back and forth fight and then uh say like uh hano actually got beat off screen like you don't even know how it happened she might be dead who knows um it felt like that was something like you could play with you can you can create this idea of like 
focusing on that story for a little bit because having this character who is not necessarily a combatant and she is trying to protect somebody else get suddenly like surrounded and accosted like you can create attention in there rather than just like the the leg in the window trick which like i suppose is fine for like a peach turn reveal but isn't as interesting as like actually focusing on this character instead kind of leaving it to this point where like oh she might just be dead and I'll be honest, I feel like if she is dead, I might just lose all interest in this series. Like, I feel like if there's no reason to care about the cast, like, the only character who really matters is Chihiro. And then, like, I don't know, whenever the dude in the suspenders decides to fucking show up in a chapter, like, <laughs> I, I just don't have much interest in this at that point. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens next, I guess. But I'm, I'm definitely rather frustrated that it feels like uh, now is rather like unceremoniously just dropped off screen um mm-hmm. and all we got was just another silly magic fight between these two characters who have already kind of clashed and then they end it before anything can get real which again i feel like yeah. kind of happened already <laughs> not exactly it wasn't him doing it but <laughs> these dudes showing up to stop things happened like three chapters ago or whatever it's uh, it does feel very rushed. There's some neat ideas here and there, especially with the vis- the I do like the usage of like, oh, we'll exploit Char's ability to be a distraction because you know he'll see the part of her body that we've chopped off. But yeah, it, it could have played played out differently and more effectively. It wasn't bad, but it could have been better. Uh, and that's kind of how I felt a lot about a lot of parts of this series. Is just like, eh, it's okay. It could be better. thankfully nick we just get to talk about new sexorcist um actually we don't have time nick can we just skip new sexorcist are you you serious yeah let's just skip new sexorcist but it's 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 senpai's on his feelings and stuff oh man yajima he's got he's got a harem look quinn look we have so little time i'm sorry we talked about you Hakusho, too much i'm sorry guys but that's a good manga and this one sucks let's go move on (laughs) All right, two on ice. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Hayuma, he skates. He does a triple axel, immediately falls on his routine. I do like the exchange that he has with uh, his coach, uh, one of the Natsus, which, uh, where they like just kind of silently exchange a look. And uh, so she's like, all right, remember, you know, like, you know, your next jump, you've got to, like, bring it down to earth. You've got to, you know, lower the difficulty so you get back on track. And he was like, right, I got to pull off a killer move and make a comeback. And he immediately does a backflip while skating, which I didn't think was a thing people did. And then it was, we were immediately told, oh, no, that's a penalty. You're not, that's a penalty. You can't do that, but. It's too dangerous. <laughs> I was like, ah, that's why people don't do it. Not because it's hard, because it's, it's dangerous. So, uh, yeah, things just kind of, like, go bad uh, uh, for the most part he's falling a lot he's doing a lot of like cool moves here and there and when he does finally do the big final move he does a triple axel a, a three and a half axel in fact so he does he does a 900 degree turn uh 900 oh no, three and a half is sorry when are they supposed to, uh, 1360 degree turns. There sorry. you go. Nick has it, right? Uh, he never didn't have it, guys. No, no, no. 1260. 1080 plus 20. Yeah. So anyway, so uh, so he does this, and then he realizes after he's done this big move, this this three and a half axle, uh, that he feels like I've been like chasing after all this time, and it felt like for an instant I'd caught up, and Kisara was just right in front of my eyes. 
And then from there, he sees the view of the path of singles competition opening up. And we get our chapter title, The View I Saw. And as a result of landing this last move, it gives him just enough points to meet, barely, barely meet the goal that he had of scoring 100 points in this singles. He gets 100.29 points, which, of course, is not nearly enough to get even close to uh, Roland's uh, score, like 180 points. Uh, but, hey, he, he met the, the goal that he had set for himself, and now he's got the decision to make of, like, hey, is he going to go for the singles thing? Is he going to stick with Kisara and do and do Paris stuff? And uh, we're going to presumably find out that next chapter. Yeah. Uh, I'll be curious what goes on there. This was a fun little light chapter. Even though it's like exciting, it felt very gentle throughout much of it. I did love the backflip. It was uh, very, very funny. Uh, this is Samurai. Yeah. I just want to say that I think Two on Ice was... This was probably the best chapter it's had since the first one. Yeah. So, it's, it, this yeah. is better than some recent stuff. It was the Samurai Chapter 134, Departure and Leave-Taking, 1338, because apparently Departure and Leave-Taking are two different things. Anyway, so uh, everyone's preparing to leave off uh, from Kyo. Kyo. Kyo! Uh, not not leave Kyo, go for Kyo. They're leaving Kamakura. Uh, Tokyo kind of like, you know, takes in his surroundings for a little bit. He remembers first meeting Takaoji at a tree and he's thinking about like what's going to happen in the future you know, between us. One is who's going to die between us. Uh, and then Yasuye, his uncle, he's trying to mount up and join the party. And Tokyo is like, you are too wounded. You can't come with us on this. But Yasuye is like, no, 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 no. I've been through a lot. I'm in a lot of pain, but it means nothing to me. I've got to return the Hojo to power. I'll fight to the end. And the markings on his head say, Yanuzo, I'm going to do it. He's determined. He's ends. But Tokyuki realizes, like, he's, no. He's, he's, he, he declares openly, like, look, I'm the leader of the Hojo. I am not going to lose an important family member. You are not going to join the campaign. He, he decrees it. Uh, but uh, Gemba brings to the point of, like, I don't know. He's, he's not going to give up just because you say it. But Tokiki says, hey, look, I need you to, to, to ride ahead to Izu. Uh, and so he thinks to himself, like, look, I want to free my uncle from a life of battle. Uh, you know, the land is full of dangerous enemies out here, and I need him to get to safety. Um, we cut away from that for a bit to a very bizarre uh, sequence where uh, a nameless guy in the Toki party is observing a really, really strong guy lift a really heavy axe and like, oh yeah, do it, lift the axe! So that the actual fighter can carry it in one hand. Uh -huh. uh, and we're introduced to Nagayama Yorimoto, who has such a butt chin that his butt cheeks on his chin have produced another butt cheek. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Uh, and then he looks up at his father, who is even bigger, and he has an even bigger weapon. So, okay. <laughs> a thought that went through my mind was, are these people supposed to be connected at all to that guy who was like, I have trained for 10 years and never fucked a woman, so my virginity makes me struggle. Like, what happened to that guy? Did he die? No, he's still alive. Okay. I didn't know if that's what this, like, that. when I first saw Pretty this sure. guy talking, he's like, oh, I've been training specifically in a way for, for 10 years and surpassed the human limit. But I guess it really is just about, like, Carry big weapon. Carry big weapon. 
Tokiyorito, the father, the bigger guy, is so big, he rides on two horses. That's okay. Cool. That's actually kind of dope. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to the plot of the chapter. Uh, Tokiyuki's group reaches Izu. Uh, a supply depot is there. And Tokiyuki says, Uncle, y- you're not joining us. I can't let you die for nothing. And yes, and Yasue is still got, you know, I'll do it on his, on his forehead. He's like, no, we're Hojo. Until we achieve our goal, we're immortal. But a woman approaches. And it is Yasue's mother. It's Tokiyuki's grandmother. And uh, he is, you know, struck by her sudden appearance. And she's like, look, you're a warrior. I cannot forbid you from going into battle. But you would be fucking worthless in the battle. You would just be holding Tokyuki back. You want him to look, you want him to make, do you want to make me sad? How dare you? And she is so intimidating. She gets a non-Boku Cho tag in an introduction. Mm. So, yep. So, uh, Yasuye is kind of shocked out of his determination. And she's like, look, you've done enough. I want to reclaim my lost time with my son. Why don't you live quietly here? And Tokugi says, like, look, use our hideout. And after I reclaim rule, I will need your strength in times of peace. Leave the fighting to your nephew. And the writing on Yasuye's head breaks and scatters into all of his, like, more selfish, uh, self-preserving thoughts. Like, I was so scared. I don't want to die and stuff. And then he starts to cry. And uh, Yusuke says, it's no fair. Once my fighting spirit crumbles, I can never fight again. And Tokyuki is also crying because, of course, you know, he's relieved for his uncle. uh, But this is also a goodbye for them. uh, Because he's got to go on and continue the war. And Tokyuki and all of his soldiers are gathered around Yusuke. And and, and Natsu is kind of there in the background. And Shina is there in the background. And Akie is in the foreground because he is the important character <laughs> this moment. Uh, uh, yeah, Akie needed to be in the chapter again this week. He was he was feeling a little little tense about it. Uh, really, just use that chapter or that panel from last week. Like I think he just wanted to show up in the chapter. Yeah. Um, this is like a really really sweet ending for uh, Tokiyuki's grand uh, uncle. Like I, I I really do like how they're like all right. Historically, this guy doesn't do anything more. Uh, but he didn't die, so how does it go? And with the characterization they've given him of this coward, he is given this thing of like, hey, you could do it from here on in. And I really do love that that line of he's like, this is no fair. Once my fighting spirit crumbles, I'm never fighting again. Like, once this is gone, once yeah. all this conviction leaves me and I go back to, like, I just won't anymore. I'm not getting it back. Yeah. And I love, I love the final visual of the, of the writing on his forehead. Like, it's an illusion, basically. Yeah. You know, he was stealing himself and then it scatters. Yeah. yeah. It's very, very cool. I, I really like what they did there. Yeah. It's a nice goodbye for, for this character, uh-huh. uh, it feels like. Yeah. Very, very sweet. All right, Nick, we're wrapping things up. There's no One Piece this week. Oda is taking much-deserved break, so we're wrapping it up with Akane Banashi. Story 87, External Validation. Last time we were starting to see Koguma's performance, and he pulled out a story that most people had never even heard of because that is power, studying and finding obscure. Being a nerd. Yes! He was on the wiki. (laughs) He was on the Quiz Bowl team. <laughs> and other nerdy habitries. Uh-huh. So, uh... My school to... didn't have a chess club, so I made them open one. Yeah. 
Uh, Koguma, just we get narration from him to, at the beginning, which is that, you know, like, look, when I first heard about the concept for this event I'm taking part in, I was I was like, I can't do this. Uh, and if any younger Rakugoka is supposed to, like, lead the new generation, it should be Maikeru. It shouldn't be me. But then Ima's like, ah, that's not quite right. I, I've thought that for a lot longer, it's not just this event, you know. Uh, and again, we get the reiteration of, like, oh, this, you know, obscure story that Koguma is telling and how he's, like, brought it to life in the present day. And he goes into the story, uh, which is called Giboshi. Uh, which is about how there is uh, a young master uh, who has a secret, which is he likes to lick metal objects. Yeah. Uh, and he wants to lick the giboshi, the decoration atop the pagoda spire of Sensoji Temple. Uh, and he's like despairing over this. He's like, I'm, I'm never going to get to lick it. Uh, and how it anguishes him. So he's got this weird fascination uh, on something. And so we get analysis, which is like, look, this is a, a weird story because like it's, you know, something that like no one can really like relate to after a certain period. So it falls out of fashion. It doesn't match the taste of the times because people can't really relate to like, what, what is this? And he's looking at metal object and it's on this temple and all this stuff. So there is a reason that Rocket Ghost stories fall out of fashion. It has to deal with those little weird qualities, aspects of life that aren't relatable anymore. So a story that you bring back to life may not necessarily find success if you tell it today because of that. But we get a flashback uh, from when Koguma was go going through uh, old books at, a, at an old book festival with uh, with uh, Shinta. And uh, so he, t he told him, like, yeah, you've got this amazing diligence to you. You're the first person I could have I could chat with about all these old stories I wish that, you know, my Karu would treat Rakugo as seriously as you do. But Koguma got really upset and, you know, he's got his hair is even longer in this in this scene. And it's hiding his face and he says, you know, I'm jealous of my Karu-san. You know, only students are praised for studying hard and he just does whatever he wants and people love him and, you know, studying, it doesn't help me. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I also says, like his hair is a different color back then, my Karu's. As we yes. discovered recently, he gets his hair done with uh, Akane's mom's uh, hairdresser. Mm -hmm. Or just Akane's mom, who is the hairdresser. Sorry. Yes. Uh, but his senpai says, hey, have you ever thought about like pulling up your bangs? You know, show your forehead, take the glasses off and stuff. Uh, you know, like be more bold. Put yourself out there. He literally you starts to give him like a John Hughes makeover. He's like, yeah. if you take off these glasses... You're beautiful. But he says, like, look, you, you're lacking in confidence. And Koga was like, yeah, thanks. Okay, I know. All right. So, all right. Look, I know you believe you want to believe in yourself and you can't. But you can believe in the knowledge you've found in books, right? Knowledge is external validation. It's a source of support that alleviates anxiety. If it's not helping you, keep going until it does. Don't worry. I know there are stories where your knowledge will shine. And of course, in saying that, he also provides Koguma with external validation. Mm -hmm. So that's nice. Uh, we cut back into Koguma's story, which reveals that uh, the young master 
also wants to lick metal objects and you know there's this the reaction of like the, you know, the old mask going like oh i also love licking objects and everyone goes what <laughs> and it gets this big weird reaction and the realization is like yeah essentially if you keep on going stuff becomes retro <laughs> i love it i love the way they explain it as like records and i love the implication of like I don't know, people today are like little freaks. They're pretty cool with like a story that's about somebody being like, actually, I also have this weird fetish. And they're like, hell yeah, yeah. dude, like that kaboshi. It's like, yeah, like that's more in vogue for people to like yeah. relate to now. Uh, and Koguma thinks, you know, back to his time with, with Shinta and, he, and how she told him, oh, your diligence is amazing. And Koguma says, it's not like that. Studying is just the only thing I can do. I would switch schools a lot because of my parents' work. I never really made friends because of that. I because I knew I'd always just you know transfer somewhere else, so I would just study as a form of escape. And I didn't ever feel comfortable in college because I just saw all these people who were more clever than me, more capable than me, and I just it just made me feel even more miserable. I was lucky. That I happened across Rakugo when I did. And literally, he was just, you know, walking along one day, and the Rakugo Club was recruiting people. And the guy recruiting people was like, hey, that book you're reading is based on a Rakugo story. Did you know that? And he just kind of like fell into it. And Koguma says, look, after I dropped out of college because I wanted to be a Rakugoka, but even despite that, I'm not good at interacting with others. And my little sister apprentice, who's a dozen years younger than me, worries about me. I can't reach out to my struggling little brother apprentice. So I cling to external validation instead. Even when you want to, it's hard to change your nature. So at the very least, I want to hold my head up high and announce the knowledge I've built up over the years is a weapon in my hands. Introverts unite! Yeah, Nick. Nick's like, I love my man. Yeah, he's, this, he's my boy. Yeah. He's, he's, your, he's, your, he's your good time dandy. All right, Nick, let's wrap this up. I, 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 I was about to be like, oh, no, I didn't talk about how I felt, but I, I love this chapter. I'm giving Kogamai my MVP. Uh, this is a, a really, really cool chapter. Um, I like getting just more about this character. I love seeing his connection with uh, Akane's dad and, and like how that sort of previous generation of that you know our car branch kind of functioned uh it's just really really good there's 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 just good solid stuff all around i love the story i love its message of like look sometimes things just cycle back around really and it's mm -hmm. it's it's just really fulfilling uh yeah i feel like there's probably no shortage of like you know good characters that you can give out uh, this week. I'm going to give mine, my MVP to Yasuye. I, okay. I really yeah. love the moment of his, you know, his breakdown. Uh, and I'm going to give my favorite chapter to Cypher Academy. Uh, I really like the way that it's just portrayed. Uh, I love the insight we get into Toshisai, what she, what drives her, which is guilt. Uh, and I love how over the top <laughs> all of the messaging of it is. Yeah. Um, good stuff i think i'm going to give my chapter to blue box maybe not necessarily for this weekend in and of itself which although it was very good but also just collectively blue box has been hitting on like all cylinders mm. recently with very cute moments 
And I just want to kind of acknowledge that. So Blue Box and Koguma, and then UF Cypher Academy and Yasue. The audience, uh, I lined up with the audience. Oh, wait, no. It's Koguma as character of the week. Chainsaw Man, actually. I think a couple extra votes for Chainsaw Man may have snuck in here at the end, and that is going to be the chapter of the week. Oh, controversial. Uh, Interesting. Stop the count. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, yeah, there was a lot of weird little chapters this week that were quite good. Uh, I'm, in general, very happy with the output uh, that happened this week. Even Boruto yeah. was better than usual. Uh, so <laughs> It was not the... It's not as bad as it usually is. I was thinking, it yes. wasn't the worst, but I was like... It probably it was the worst chapter this it week. It might have been the worst <laughs> chapter this week, but big improvement from last time. Uh, guys, thank you for joining us for Weekly Manga Recap. Uh, we record the show here Wednesdays, usually starting at about 7.30 Eastern time. Uh, if you want to know exactly when we're going live, then like follow us on social media and join the WMR Discord because it goes out when the stream goes live and stuff. You can also participate in conversations with our wonderful community on there as well. Talk about the manga as they come out check, uh, week to week uh, and also the recommendation that we'll be taking, such as uh, next week, possibly... Uh, I have lost the name of the series. God damn it. I can't help you with this. You never told me what it is, so... I've got it. I've got it. I can solely presume it rhymes with Schmeel Ball Run. Nope. So, uh, (laughs) next week, uh, as our recommendation, we'll be reading... I think it will be next week. It's a pretty short series. Uh, Soloist in a Cage. uh, Ah! It's a series about a series about a young girl and her brother born in a city of prisoners and being separated during an escape attempt. It's described as a dark fairy tale type story. So we'll see how that is. Uh, and if you would like to make a recommendation for us to read, check out the WMR Discord uh, Google Doc, which you can find through Discord. Uh, it is maintained by Ninja X3I and keeps track of all sorts of statistics associated with the show. Uh, the MVP and favorite series voting that was mentioned before. Uh, year-end awards voting is also a big thing on there that is coming up sooner than you might think. Uh, and uh, just all sorts of good stuff is on there. Uh, yeah. And uh, we would also like to thank everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, Quinn mentioned earlier the bonus episode about drafting Shonen Jump characters to football teams. Hell yeah. Uh, you can listen to our very weird discussion uh, by joining the Patreon and supporting us on there. We'd also like to thank Milo Jack Stillitz and Winston Cheddar for creating the opening sequence of the video version of Weekly Manga Recap, which you can watch on youtube.com slash weekly manga recap. The audio version is available basically wherever podcasts can be listened to, uh, hosted on weekly manga recap.popping.com, but is also on iTunes and Spotify and all that good stuff. And uh, of course, we would also like to thank Steve Mann, who does artwork occasionally for the uh, video versions as well. You can check out uh, his artwork uh using steve man art basically wherever art gets shared yes and that is uh, gonna do it so thank you everyone for joining us for this discussion okay it is a discussion it, it, was, it was a discussion was you a said discussion. it you said it so formally though uh as though yes. we, like we, we were wrapping up like a, a congressional hearing like thank you everybody for joining us uh when our podcast is nothing if not rigidly structured. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it should be described as such. Yeah. 
what you guys didn't see is there were actually 17 different motions and uh, 118 different uh, people voting to decide whether or not we were going to review New Sexorcist when I just said, yeah, fuck it, let's skip it this week. <laughs> Uh, and so that's going to do it, everyone. Uh, thank you, guys. <laughs> I promise we'll talk about new sexists next week. I don't. I'm not promising this. 